fire tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danunaki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe Hey, So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the combo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at? Wake up we about to get into it I know you can't get enough At home, at work It don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes You know what's up, hey. uh, Rising from the ashes Yo, what's up? Welcome back to Rising From the ashes I'm Daddy Naki Dan And I am Dr. Whodunit Homie Romy Homie Romy Yay What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 42, (laughs) second episode in this month's um, theme. Uh, This is going to be with Bruce de Torres. It's a great conversation about God, what is God, a bunch of different aspects, heaven and hell, good and evil, uh, duality, male and female. Uh, we get into a whole bunch of stuff on this episode, so hope you guys all enjoy. What you got, Roman? I hope you have a fantastic day, and it's about to get even better with a conversation like what we're about to have with Bruce the Torres. Oh, it goes on and on, and you're always going to find the goodness. It's like a tootsie pop, and in the middle, there's a little bit of chocolate drop. It's not a piece of... What you thought it was is really chocolate. It's not owl poop. Uh, it's, it's a great conversation. Um, I would throw, so I'd tremendous. throw some change in your guitar case. Thank you, brother. I know you would. I know you would. Yeah, man. No, it's great. Uh, everything's good out here in the, in the, the hood. It's, it's like so nice. It's been so nice that, um, I'm like kind of like getting a little nervous. I'm like, uh oh, it's really nice. Is it about to be really shitty like in <laughs> February and March? Or is it just gonna just be this nice all the way until spring and then summer we're gonna get scorched? You know, last year we got like hundred and ten for like a straight yeah. week. Yeah, that's uh, pretty nutty. Yeah, what do you think about that? Sweet weather talk, huh? Let's do it. If you want to control the weather, oh, weather. you know, yeah. uh, I don't know about the weather, you know, because you never know, man, you know, <laughs> ever fucking know. I'm the never know weather man. The weather, the weather man don't even know. He's always wrong. Uh, I mean, you know, Kim Charles be affecting the weather all the time. So it's hard to predict the weather. Whatever, man. Even if you're wearing a sweater. (laughs) I know that's not very clever, but what do you expect? I'm just Danny Renaki (laughs) Dan. Whatever. Weather, sweater, not going to eat it because it's not made of leather. Uh, Jesus, stop. Let's stop while we're... We're horrible rappers. With the very, very, very bad. That was not... That was, yeah. that was nothing. Uh, anywho, um, I guess we can just jump right into some. Yeah. Yep. 
A news. News you can trust. Angel dust. Uh, what's up, homie? What you got for us, uh, man? Well, well uh, I was going to keep it cool and classy um, and stick to the theme that we did last week with nootropics and neurogenesis. But you're going to get uh, dirty and slutty and switch it up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to- towards like the latter end of this conversation with Bruce DeTorius, I like had to do some surfing. I was like, I was something was calling me to do some surfing on the webs politely while i listened obviously i was never not listening and joining in and all the things but you know how it does when you're having neurons firing during a conversation and you're on a fucking computer you're like hold on let me look some shit out real quick Mm -hmm. and uh i I stumbled across an old germanic uh poem i did (laughs) I stumbled across it and I almost tripped and fell into the wormhole. How do you stumble across things on the internet? Just <laughs> curiosity. Are you, I don't know if you're actually being serious or if you're joking because it's really easy. So, oh, okay. You know, how do you stumble? Like, you know, when you're researching and you're going down rabbit holes and you just keep typing and then you go and you click here, open new tab, open new tab, link a new tab, link a new tab. Next thing you know, you have 30 links open and they're all to different things that are relative to your search. And then you get to like type in other keywords. And then on the MacBook, you have like this thing where you can like highlight something, you didn't left click and then stumble into it though. You intentionally found some shit. Okay, what the fuck ever. Anyways, I don't know how I found it. It just came to be. But Faustus, which is... Um, Faustus. Faustus. I, I think... Well, because I was looking up, you know, different characters of Lucifer and Satan and stuff. And so this is a famous play. Well, before it was a play, it was just folklore and based on a real alchemist um, of what we would consider ancient Germany. Uh mm. And yeah, so Dr. Faust um, has was known to selling his soul to the devil for for lust and fame and power, right? Mm-hmm. And to like get with this one specific woman that that was, you know, that in the play it's very theatrically done that this woman is in fact one of the main teeter totter reasons as to why Dr. Faustus, um, you know, uh, chose to. To go with um, Mestifesilis. Mestifesilis? Hmm. Um, anyways, there's three devil-like characters or fallen angels, I guess you'll, we'll call them. Uh, oh. Beelzebub, Beelzebub, Mestifesilis, Beelzebub, Mestifesilis, and Lucifer. Hmm. And so I thought that tied in. You know, and so I started to look into it. And then the main reason I, I was attracted to the name is because it reminded me of Dr. Fauci, right? Like that, the name uh-huh. Faustus, F-A-U, Fauci. and Fauci. So that's like why I kept the hottest it. man in like, the world. Oh, all right. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> you know, then later I go down some uh, conspiratorial sites, some places that I like to do my deep diving on. And uh, I'm not the first one to make the tie you know, the name, the name, um, the play on words with Dr. Faustus and Dr. Fauci. There's some videos out there. Um, and I have one queued up that we'll play here in a little bit, but anyways, so for this news segment, I 
watched this movie that came out in 1967 called Dr. Faustus, which is based off of the play that came out in around like 1454 um, was the original play. Right. So this is very old yeah. story. Very, very old story. The Shakespearean. And very, very, very Shakespearean style. <laughs> And uh, it's super occulty, you know, because it, it basically is like, you know, summoning and, and worship and divination and mm. magic. And um, it's occultic in the sense of it's going against the church. So a lot of that plays and ties in. And then, you know, the 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 praising of the wor- the fallen angels. Um, and uh, yeah, basically it's. It's a pretty good story. I mean, if you guys can watch old movies from the 60s and it's pretty bad. I mean, it's it's pretty terrible, but I did it. I sacrificed it for the sake of the show and for the research and for the peoples. Um, And so, yeah, Dr. Faustus, uh, one of the quotes uh, that I found interesting was tire thy brains. To gain a deity. I was like, hmm. <laughs> the fuck does that mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, so in the beginning, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's a, um, basically like a professor at a university, right? He's like a, a well-known academic in his area. And he's just... He really needs more power. He needs more power. He's got to have more, more respect, more knowledge, you know. And so he goes and pulls out his uh, his divination box that's like hidden underneath the floor, um, secretly hidden, and sends his his little servant off to go get these two other um, friends that he he met. These like acquaintances that are they're into magic and they're into occult and stuff. And he's, he knows that that he'll be, they'll be able to help him find a place to summon, um, Mestophysilis. And, uh, so he's wandering around in his abode and he passes a crucifix, right? Like a, a cross with the, with the Christ hanging Does on he it. Burn? Down. No, but that is depicted as the good angel, right? Or the good, okay. like the, the light angel. Yeah. And uh, it's just basically saying like, Faustus, sweet Faustus, you are, <laughs> you are, you are, you know, uh, Dear you Faustus. are so don't turn your cheek from God. You, you know, like blah, blah. And then he uh, has a skull on his desk and that in the movie is depicted as the dark angel. And like it goes in and zooms in all cheesy, like in the 60s style, uh, zooms into the skeleton, the skull eye. And it's, you know, some, a bunch of like naked hotties. And he's just like, Oh, I'm going dark. And it took him like two seconds just to see some, some tatas, uh, to, <laughs> to go with, uh, to sell his soul basically. Oh my God. And it gets pretty dark. Um, gets pretty dark. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, so he summons his homies over, these two guys, they do a blood sacrifice, and then they wander into the forest to summon the Dark Prince. So I have a couple um, serps from it that I recorded on my phone um, that we can listen to um, and just kind of take away whatever that you want to take away from it. And then you can riff off of it. All right. Roll that beautiful bean footage. I came hither of my own accord. Did not my conjuring speeches raise thee? Speak. That was the cause. But yet there are accidents. For when we hear one rack the name of God, 
abjure the scriptures and his savior Christ, we fly in hope to get his glorious soul. Nor will we come unless he use such means whereby he is in danger to be damned. Therefore, the shortest cut for conjuring is stoutly to abjure the Trinity and pray devoutly to the Prince of Hell. So Faustus hath already done, and holds this principle. There is no chief but only Beelzebub, to whom Faustus doth dedicate himself. This word damnation terrifies not him. But leaving these vain trifles of men's souls, tell me, what is that Lucifer, thy lord? Arch-regent and commander of all spirits. Was not that Lucifer an angel once? Yes, Faustus, and most dearly loved of God. How comes it then that he is prince of devils? Oh, by aspiring pride and insolence for which God threw him from the face of heaven. And what are you that live with Lucifer? Unhappy spirits that fell with Lucifer, conspired against our God with Lucifer, and are forever damned with Lucifer. No. Yeah, so that's the scene right after um, Mephistopheles is summoned in the forest. Um, and he's just like, you know, Faustus is kind of there. And he's like, wow, like, you're here. This is working. Um, <laughs> who the fuck are you? And then he tells him and he's like, OK, so Lucifer is real. This is a real thing. You know, he's having this this experience of like actually experiencing it. You know, at first he was like, I'm a man of God. You know, I'm academia. But you know, does this even exist? So if it does, I want to summon it. Finds out that, in fact, that he can summon it. And, um, and yeah, so did you, did you have anything to say on that clip there? No. Okay, we'll go to the next one. This is, um, oh, shit, I can't remember. Um, oh, this is directly after this situation where he goes um, home afterwards because he doesn't sell a soul right away this is more of like a you know a, a get to know you kind of thing right he's just like hey bud you you want to hang out in the woods like maybe we can consider going through with this deal but i just want to kind of get to know you first you know mm-hmm. then he goes home and um basically right away is like damn i don't know if i should do this and then starts to talk to the good angel for a second so that's this clip here Tame what i desire I live in speculation of this art. Tell Mephistopheles return again. Now, Faustus, must thou needs be damned? Canst thou not be saved? What boots it then to think of God or heaven? such vain fancies of despair. Despair in God and trust in Belzebub. Now go not backward, no, Faustus. Be resolute. Why wavest thou? Oh, something sounded in my ears. Abjure this magic. Turn to God again. Faustus will turn to God again. To God. He loves thee not. The God thou servest is thine own appetite, wherein is fixed the love of Belzebub. To him 
I build an altar in the church and offer lukewarm blood of newborn babes. Go forward, Faustus, in that famous art. Sweet Faustus, leave that execrable art. Contrition, prayer, repentance, what of them? Oh, they are means to bring thee unto heaven. Rather illusions. Fruits of lunacy that make men foolish that do trust the most. Sweet Faustus, think of heaven and heavenly things. No, Faustus. Think of honor and of wealth. Wealth? When Mephistopheles shall stand by thee, what God can hurt thee, Faustus? Thou art safe. Cast no more doubts. Come, Mephistopheles, and bring glad tidings from great Lucifer. It's not midnight. Come, Mephistopheles. <laughs> how do you even watch that it's so good well because um just uh inform everybody i am in fact a thespian have performed on stage a few times been in a couple short films no big deal you're a thespian? anywho i thought you were a yep. male so disrespectful and crude uh, no uh anywho did you I study know, at I, juilliard i kind of like i did no i actually studied outside i studied outside of juilliard on the platform on the pavement where i was kicked outside and cast out you don't say is there, mate and yeah and then you know what i huh? <laughs> then you want to know what huh? what else well, then they took me out to the dumpster. They tried rubbish. to keep up my feet. Yeah, they said I was rubbish. And I thought him as says, Oh, it's not rubbish, eh? No, I said, I. Uh, anywho, <laughs> Faustus here uh, was contemplating not selling his soul. Right. And okay. the good angel's like, Hey, think of heavenly things, sweet Faustus. Do this. And the other guy's like, No, think of wealth and also honor. Also, Tatas, sweet potato puff tater tots. Tatas, which would they? Um, and then I have one more serp for you, my friends. This is right when Faustus finally meets Lucifer for real. Okay. Not Mestalof, not Bill's Bub, but Lucifer. Thy soul, for he is just. There's none but I have interest in the same. Oh, thou look so terrible. I am Lucifer, and this is my companion prince in hell. Faustus, I come to fetch thy soul. We come to tell thee thou dost injure us. Thou talkst of Christ contrary to thy promise. Thou shouldst not think of God. Think of the devil. What will I henceforth? Pardon me in this. And Faustus vows never to look to heaven, never to call on God or pray to him, to burn his scriptures, slay his ministers, and make my spirits pull his churches down. Do so, and we will highly gratify thee. Faustus, we are come from hell to show thee some pastime. Thou shalt see all the seven deadly sins appear. 
in the proper shapes. That sight will be as pleasing unto me as paradise was to Adam the first day of his creation. Talk not of paradise, nor creation, but mark this show. Talk of the devil and nothing else. I mean, uh, so this is 1967, right? This yeah. is 1967. This movie comes, and granted, this, you know, this folklore story, this, you know, mythos, whatever it is, and Faustus, if he did in fact exist. Um, but this movie came out in America in 1967. I mean, full indoctrination, MK Ultra, you know, what have you. And I don't necessarily think this is may this is a predictive programming movie. Um, but I, I think that it's it's just it's it's crazy. I mean, like, I don't know what was going on in the sixties um as the Christian movement, but I could imagine that it was probably pretty strong Christian values in America at that time, if I'm not mistaken. So this movie sure. must have caused a fucking stir, you know. Uh well I mean satanic panic too right isn't that about the same time I'm not sure going to what the is satanic moon, panic it's like uh um Charles Manson uh all the like serial killers going on around that time late sixties early seventies oh, okay all right yeah so that. Yeah, I, I this, this would probably fall right into that. Yeah, honestly, this that probably falls period. right into that. It's uh, I mean, sure. dude, <sighs> this whole this whole time period. But either way, like you know, we're asking a lot of who is um, who is the devil? Who is you know who is Satan? Who is God? And this yeah. this kind of tied into that and found it organically during the conversation. And also we have Dr. Faustus, you know, seemingly Dr. Fauci could be easily pre- pre- <laughs> prevailed as Dr. Faustus because, you know, he's been high up in his position since the AIDS um, endemic and so pandemic, whatever that area was. And it's just so, so sketchy. But here's a quick video um, and then I'm done. Jesus. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective. And we but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying uh, uh, inside uh, uh, there? Of course. And- you do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. And if, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community... You want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The, 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 the pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old 
onward. And you're asking now if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Because now the CDC says, I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. Two masks is better than one mask. But you don't have to have double masks. Is, is that right? I mean, you know, it became clear that cloth coverings that you didn't have to buy in a store. That you- okay, so Dr. Fauci is out here pushing absolute lies to the people. And in the sense of just figuratively speaking, right, of taking a Luciferian or uh, a, a devilish approach to, um, you know, how the fuck we should actually do anything on a societal level, I would say that he, if anything, is this Dr. Faust's character by pushing these terrible, terrible things on a society. Later in the movie, Dr. Faust goes to this, you know, this cathedral and he's doing – and he – it learns to teleport, right? And he's able to teleport in between these sermons and he goes like, <laughs> he's making these fart noises, right? And he's causing a scene in the church. And then he goes and he, he starts smushing cake into people's, all these, uh, these like Pope's faces and stuff. Just really, you know, um, taking it to, to God and the godly people, people believing in God. And then he basically like kills the popes and then all of like the, the little Pope boy worshipers that were there. He like, they all yeah. had like black faces and, um, or like black underneath Whoa. the hood. It was a shadow. And then he smited them all. And it was yeah. just, I mean, it's just crazy. And I know we don't like to talk about on the COVID shit on, you know, during the show and we don't often, but so I brought it up. I did it, whatever. Um, thought it was interesting. You know, it ties in a little bit to this stuff. And I, I think that, um, you know, there's definitely the polarity side of evil happening. But on, on the other side of the coin, there is, in fact, the light and the goodness that is prevailing. Uh, it's happening. And it, and all of the bullshit that's over there on the news and, you know, and the black mirrors and all the things that's happening right that's happening within that realm but there's also the good shit that is going down in my world in my life your life all everybody's life you know and so it it really is is how much attention you you put into it one other thing before i'm done and i'm going to pass it to you and then i'm done i promise is in the interview with bruce i brought up that like I was like oh I, I had like a little like epiphany or whatever you know those little things or those moments yeah like, oh I have an idea I was like what if you know uh, the idea or concept of Satan is this physical form and it's here on Earth and that's kind of like the lowly vibrational and God could be the consciousness right well then I was thinking about it today and I was just like wait what if it's flip and what if God is earth connection, nature, you know, this realm and this, the, the Satan energy is the mind and the torment of psychology and the contorting of, of, of like the, the, you know, the, the, the amount of just terrible thoughts you can have and like terrible visions and all these things. And, you know, I don't know, but I don't really think there is a concrete answer to it. Um, and I think it's balanced probably on both sides. So there's that. I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I'm going to read, um, from Chinese myths. I got this whole box set, uh, for Christmas. Uh, I think they picked it up at Costco, but it has North Norse myths, Indian myths, Greek and Roman myths, Egyptian myths, Celtic myths, and Chinese myths. And uh, we talk a lot about like kind of Greek and Roman and and Egypt and Norse. And uh, I brought up a little uh, of the Vedas last time. Um, so I'm going to go into Chinese myths a little bit. And uh, the origins of the Chinese civilization. Uh, so this is from the book Chinese Myths. Uh, I don't know who the fuck wrote it. Who cares? Uh, the origins of Chinese civilization. The origins. Wow. He literally, every time I read something, make sure he's like, well, <sighs> you didn't say the author's name on that. Now he's freaking hit me with that shit. Uh, there's no, there's no author's name. That's why. I like, I look, there isn't one. It doesn't say. Um, oh, Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding, just kidding. Don't be a Roman. That's not a bad author's name. I like that. It's interesting. Uh, there's like 30 different authors. Um, I'll say Lauren Auerbach, Norman Bancroft Hunt. Ooh, Bancroft. E.M. Burns, Catherine Berry. Judson, Laura Bulbeck, Jeremiah Curtain. Oh, man, there's some names in here. <laughs> white people. Anyway. Classic white people writing Chinese myths. Classic. The introduction to Chinese myths. China is a vast, sprawling nation as geographically diverse as Europe and comparable to the European continent in size. Containing at least one third of the world's population, it has always retained a mysterious and captivating appeal and remains a country rich of rich contrast and diverse cultural influences drawn from many different sources over the centuries. The origins of Chinese civilization. The origins of the Chinese civilization are to be found in the ancient cultures that arose along the fertile banks of the Yellow River in northern China, where Millet hemp and mulberry trees were grown and on the temperature floodplains of the Yangtze river in Southern China that were conducive to fishing and the cultivation of rice and beans. These two societies, which developed in Neolithic times were not only the only ones to emerge in China, but perhaps many of the enduring myths were first conceived there. In fact, archeologists and social historians trace the origin of Chinese civilization back to the 12th century BC, which is roughly the same date that Greek civilization emerged. Some of the earliest objects uncovered from excavated sites support the existence of a race of simple agriculturalists known as the Shang, occupying the basin of the Yellow River in the north of the country at about this time. Again, like their Greek counterparts, 
the Chinese evolved quickly into a sophisticated and efficient people so that by the 4th century BC, they were able to boast a relatively civilized, structured society. Unlike other European nations, China was not conquered by foreign invaders with the, the result that she remained largely isolated from the West and was able to preserve her own unique culture and traditions. That is not to say, however, that China remained immune to outside influences or that she was unduly possessive of her own traditions. More often than not, those invaders who landed in Chinese shores were surprised to encounter a society more developed than their own. And instead of wishing to subjugate it, ended up appropriating the country's values and practices. China, for her part, took what she considered worthwhile from foreign cultures and modified and assimilated it into her own. In this way, a mutually beneficial exchange was enacted. The most significant external impact on the development of Chinese society was not made by would-be conquerors, however, but by tradesmen traveling the Rome-China Silk Road, which was in commercial use by about 100 B.C., at this time, India had cultivated an equally advanced society, and the trade route allowed the two civilizations to meet without hostility. This encounter brought Buddhism to China, which of any other alien influence had perhaps the most dramatic long-term effect on her culture and literary heritage, uh, the origin of Chinese myths. Chinese myths are as as ancient as the culture itself, thousands of years in age, and as varied as the people who contributed for the development of Chinese society. By the time they were put down in writing, many of them were already fragmentary and their significance half forgotten. In common with many other nations, both Western and Eastern, the earliest mythology of the Chinese was in the oral tradition. Myths were rare before 800 BC when fragments of tales with an astrological theme began to gain popularity. Subsequent Chinese myths and legends fell into the several distinct groups through writing was developed by the Shang Dynasty in 1520 to 1030 BC in North China and further refined by the later Zhao Dynasty in 1030 to 771 BC. Myths were never used by the Chinese as the basis for great literary works, Unlike in Indian or Mediterranean cultures, there are only enigmatic allusions to them in a few philosophical works, and by the time any serious attempt was made to record the myths, it is clear that many writers no longer believed in them or even understood them in full. For many centuries after the indoctrination of writing, the Chinese took surprisingly little interest in their heritage of myth or myths. Uh, the first work that includes any myth, and then only in passing, is the Zhao Dynasty classic of poetry, dating from around the 6th century BC. Two later works are four far more important compilations of myths, the classic of the mountains and seas, 3rd century BC, with its numerous accounts of over 200 mythical characters and a chapter in the songs of zoo 4th century bc which records the sacred history of the zoo polity in central china mention should be made of a few works written with philosophical intentions the taoist uh 
Zhuang, Zhuangzi text from 340 BC and the Confucian classic of history, which was composed around the same time, but restricts itself to myths concerning the origins of government and kingship. Apart from what we can be gleaned from the tantalizing information given by these works, it was not until the compilation of the great medieval imperial encyclopedias that any serious attempts were made to record the wealth of Chinese myths, but by then, many must have been lost forever. Um, I'm going to read That's this. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, religious schools of thought. The imaginative minds of the ancient Chinese were crowded with gods, giants, fairies, mortal heroes, and devils, all of which ultimately appeared in their literature. Before Buddhism, Chinese religious practices were similar to those of ancient Greeks, incorporating a huge number of deities who represented every aspect of nature and the whole system of beliefs which attempted to explain the complexities of the universe in simple human terms. The most important school of thought dominating China for thousands of years was Confucianism, which devoted itself principally to the regulation of human relationships with a view to creating a practical social structure, which would enable people to live in greater harmony together. Confucius favored a more rational approach to life than that which he saw around him and discouraged the beliefs in supernatural coexisting with the meth quote man coexisting with this methodical outlook however was the school of thought known as taoism seeking out the essential laws of nature which govern our lives and in the age of lao Tzu, the reputed founder of the taoist religion Fresh myths began to appear. The period of the Warring States, 500 to 100 BC, began or again brought new impetus and greater emotional depth to mythological creation. The era was followed by the advent of Buddhism, which introduced to China many tales adapted from the Indian mythology. To combat to combat this to combat this foreign influence, Taoists invented newer characters and legends mixing fact and fiction to a degree where the words of myth and reality become indistinguishable broadly speaking the the diverse influence of confucianism taoism and buddhism resulted in a literature which was firmly rooted in the concept that everything on earth was in some way subject to divine authority Order and peace exist on earth when heaven's authority is acknowledged. But when it is ignored, natural calamities such as floods and drought are set to occur. According to a Taoist view, the supreme power of heaven is administered by celestial government officials. Compared to the other splendors of creation, the mountains and streams, the forests and flowers, man's importance is diminished never before in any other culture or early literature was the emphasis on nature and humanity's communion with it so crucial. Man's good fortune depended on his ability to behave in accordance with the dictates of heaven. From ancient times onwards, the highest ambition he could aspire to was to determine the natural law of things 
and to behave in sympathy with it. Um, the gods of the cosmos, unlike the mythologies of Mesopotamia, the Mediterranean, and elsewhere, there is no structured pantheon of Chinese gods. Literally, hundreds are mentioned by name with brief myths associated with them in texts like the classic of mountains and seas. Moreover, unlike other cultures, there are very few goddesses, perhaps reflecting the privileged status according to men in Orthodox Chinese society. The sun, moon, and other heavenly bodies were of great significance to the ancient Chinese and their descendants, and there are thus many gods associated with them. One of the best-known cycles of myths associated with the sun concerns the divine archer, Yi, originally a stellar god. Two goddesses are associated with the moon, Shang-Si, uh, constant breath, and Chang-Yi, constant sublime chang zi gave birth to 12 moons one for each month while she dwelt in the wilderness of the the west it was said she cared for her progeny by bathing them each night after their journey across the sky chang yi on the other hand was the wife of the celestial archer yi tales of these gods are found in the fourth and fifth chapters of this book along with those of many others associated with the sun, moon, and stars. That's all I got for you. But a little uh, take on the like the Chinese philosophy and kind of how they believe about things. Um, pretty interesting. Yeah, I think well, I, what I think is interesting about it is that they have basically. I, I've heard a while ago that the, you know they they burned all of their history, like all of China's ancient texts were burned and they'd taken away, uh. and, and so they I think they they have a heavily controlled uh, opposition government that is more tightly wound than um, yeah. than ours, or at least it's made it look and it seemed to be. Um, so when it comes to occultism and like studying occult stuff, like Chinese occult is real occult and esoteric because it's so mysterious because it's like, where the fuck did the, the history go? You know, that and plus many other parts of the world, obviously, due to this kind of new world order takeover that we have. And so that's why it's like really important to try to get any. Uh, you know, Chinese myths or Theos or any takes that we can. And, uh, and because I feel like, I think we've talked about it on the show before, but Buddhism is kind of like a cop out, you know, it does, doesn't seem like a real type of spiritual religion. It seems like something where it's just like, it's, it's almost like a cop out of a religion, you know? And I'm like, these people are very smart. You know, I, I don't, I feel like they have a connection more to the cosmos than they're given credit. Um, you know, because they're super into technology and they're super into, um, to philosophy and understanding. So I'm like, well, where's the, where's like the depth of it? You know, Buddh Buddhism is like, it's like, it's kind of deep, but it's, it's not to, to me, in my opinion. And, and so that's why I'm like, hmm, I think that's the new, like you said in the book. It's like there's a new uh, way of the gods in China, right? And it kind of meets with myth and kind of meets with reality. 
I'm like, hmm, sounds like a scrub to me. Sounds like they <laughs> scrubbed the old shit, the real shit. Uh, I mean, I thought Chinese civilization was a lot older and deeper. I thought they were one of like the oldest civilizations that were around. I think they are. So it seems weird yeah. that it said only like twelve or thirteen hundred BC is when they started developing these things. Uh, yeah. So like when you're talking about a lot of stuff got scrubbed away, they burned all their books or somebody did uh, and got rid of the old past. It seems, yeah. Cause it seems like they were way older. It seems like they're in like, they existed for a long time before that. Uh, but it did say Buddhism came right from the India, uh, India, uh, belief system, uh, or the Hindu uh, belief system. So it's uh, I actually watched a documentary the other day about it. I was uh, talking about it a little bit in the show and they were saying the same thing that uh, Buddhism came out of Hinduism and they developed Buddha from that. And they kind of with Hinduism, it's like Krishna and Vishnu are the main supreme ones, but Vishnu is kind of like Yahweh, and then Krishna is like Jesus in the comparison. And they encompassed everything, good and bad. You know, all the dualities was in the one human or the one represented avatar, I guess you could say. And then in Buddhism, it's like they stripped all that external God stuff out and then made it more about the self. And then with Christianity, they took it further with Hinduism and then separated and created like a real duality instead of an all encompassing. So it's like all three of them are pretty well associated with each other. Even Jesus in text or not in text, but in, and uh philosophy and stuff is associated with buddha or that you know we read about the story of isa and how he was at a, a temple and in, in uh, a buddhist temple and learned from uh one of the monks there uh so i mean it's very interesting how all this stuff came together and then it seems like it just got separated. And as people left the community, they decided to change the rules on their own. And you can kind of see this modification happening throughout these different cultures. I mean, even with like Christianity, there's like how many different denominations of that probably like 20 or 30, if not more, you know, even Muslim and um, uh, Protestant and uh, Puritans and there's like how I can I don't even know all the different ones in that Mormons even too uh, and Jehovah Witness they all use the Bible as part of their um, their belief system so it's it's really interesting you know where like all these different ideas and all these myths and everything come from um it seems like there's one source. I mean, we've talked about this before. Um, 
I've put it together with like box saga and stuff and described how everything kind of fits in that scenario. So, um, yeah, man. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious in my, you know, my opinion that, you know, life didn't come from Africa and start in Africa, you know, five to 6,000 years ago. I think there is a lot more history of the human origin stories tied in to the Eastern cultures and, you know, the suppression of history that we have experienced on a global level due to these, you know, like due to these major religions kind of taking over these large masses of geography. I think tie into this um, this new world order, and I can say it. You know, I'll say it again. I'll say it till the day I fucking die. Like I, I think there's a major agenda uh, through the um, the people who really run each country to kind of just keep the stories in check um, to keep like, hey, you're still running with that. Uh, you're still running with the Christianity, right? You're still running with Catholicism. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, you know that's like the the main template of whoever is in power in these countries. And I mean, China is a is a massive country, and so I, you know, it seems it's just yeah. There, there's a lot of deep dive, and we're gonna have to do into that to to do more. But the timing of it seems like it could also been a shift from the golden age period, whatever, like an Atlantean fall period or the antediluvian period. Um, the big transition from uh, what we would consider, you know, China and Asia and Russia and like a transition that happened from the way that the world was in this time period of a golden age shifted into the more separated countries. And, you know, there's all these, you know, compartmentalized places and there's wars and yeah. Destruction cataclysms. Cat, catac- quote unquote cataclysms yeah yeah all these different things play a huge part in like the whole story of humanity and the breakup of all these different values and mythologies they even touched up on it in that book you were saying if you don't kind of go with the way of the the chinese religion then there might be some massive floods or some sort yeah. of you know something that happens yeah. who well, knows no, they said if you don't have a, a belief in something higher yeah then, then expect famine and uh resets basically yeah <laughs> i mean even and it's like uh, okay so who's in contact with god to, to determine this is it yeah. actually god or are you guys controlling the controlling the dam up there and you're gonna flood the town if we're starting to be bad I mean, you see it rampant through the Bible, right? With even like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like, and the judge, the whole thing with the judges is the tribe of Dan. They were the judges of the Israelites. And it was their job to go into these different places and deem them worthy or not worthy. And if they weren't worthy, they destroyed that, that town, basically. And so you kind of have, it's yeah, it's super interesting. It's like your worthiness based on how how faithful you are to your belief. It's kind of corporatism in a way. Yeah, of the belief 
in that moment. Like, are you going to yeah. suck my cock now? <laughs> uh, you know, or, you know, like you're going to do it right now, right? You don't have to do it when I leave because I'll be gone, but, you know, right here and now. And they're like, yes, yes, anything, you know, like we love God. And so that's a, that's another thing too, which is interesting. In the Faustus movie, I was kind of getting this like feeling when he was in the church. Uh, you know, there's this, this like, you know, when the royals and the people in the, the, the higher ups, the kings, and then all of these heavily religious people who are praising to God have this very, oh God, this type of demeanor, you know, that's like, it, it's, it's it's too godly, therefore it seems ungodly. Like there's something fake going on here, um, yeah. because of it's all like praise towards this specific deity, and that doesn't seem very godly to me. You know, it seems ungodly, and so I was like resonating with Faustus in that moment where he was going around and doing the fake fart noises and such. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, I've been a part of like you know you know group meditations or you know things like yeah. that like the yo classes and connecting energy and so there's there's the the cult side of of god and religion then there's like the actual connection side of energetically getting connected and that's the thing i was saying earlier it's like in a cult when you think you're praising to whatever god you're praising to you could very easily be taken being taken advantage of yeah and being psychologically manipulated and that's i mean that's an issue like that's how easily contorted we are and and so it's it's frustrating because we want to believe in something we want to go and have that gushy gushy godness but you know we also have to be weary of like who the fuck might be taking advantage of us Right. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, I, I guess that's kind of why I don't put too much energy into the notion of deities and putting faith into them. And instead I say, I put it into myself, you know, I give myself my energy. And uh, we even talked about that in this interview, if that's satanic or not satanic, you know, uh, a lot of people would say like, oh, if you will, if you just think that you're your own God or you're your own creator, then you're a Satanist. And it's not really that you think you're your own creator. It's just you think that you're the master of your own destiny and your own fate, your own will, and you can manifest your life in whatever way you want. As long as you put the work and effort into it, uh, you're not just going to be able to sit around and say, uh, I want, I want to be on the radio and then don't do anything about it. Like, and then go, uh, I guess I never got on the radio, but if you believe in uh, a God and you praise to that God and you ask that God to put you on the radio and you just sit and do nothing, you're still not going to be on the radio. You're still going to have to put the work in. And then you go, oh, my God put me in this place to be on the radio. Well, no, you did the work yourself. You thought it was him because you asked him but in reality you're internalizing it you're asking yourself to do that and you put the work and effort in to do it and then or you you got partnering it. with the energy of life right you know you're you're taking you're taking a you you're taking a vow to say i'm gonna i'm gonna let you into my life to help me see the signs that i need to see 
and to help me have more peace in my life to have patience and understanding of what I need to take these next steps. You know, there's the, you gotta, you gotta fucking do it and know what you want. At least like have some passion and drive. And then yeah, yeah. Like allowing the breath and the the life energy to come and fucking take you along for the journey. And yeah. And some of what he was talking about of like writing things down, uh, that's very helpful when you want to, uh, like set goals for yourself. If you write down your goals and you write down things that you want to accomplish, you'll hold yourself more to those things, uh, because you're like creating an oath with yourself of like, Hey, I want to do these things. Let's try to make these things happen this year or whatnot. I'm going to put some energy into trying to get these things accomplished. And by having that there in writing, it kind of holds you accountable to do that. And uh, so by writing things down, you can gather all kinds of different deeper insights, especially like writing dreams or writing a journal uh, just to have, that comparativeness uh so you can look back on it and see how you progressed might even give you in deeper insights into what you did right and what you did wrong so that way you can know what to do in your future self uh to accomplish things in a more cohesive manner it's it's i did it this morning i did three pages like bruce um said he's like start with three pages so i was just like i have a notebook i bought another one today and uh and yeah you know it's really good it's really good um to do it because he uh in the beginning you know it had been so long since i had written a journal anything that i like almost wanted to do the thing that bruce said as a joke like hey i'm writing to you because <laughs> you know I'm, I need to write or whatever, and like I didn't know what to put. But the second I started to like actually put the pen to the page, it just kind of started coming out, and and it was started getting easier the more I kept going. And I was like, wow, like I could write more than three pages, but I'm going to stop at three, try to keep it a concise, you know, thing. And it stuck in my head like all day, like all the things that I had written mm. about, like I, I felt like today was going to be an introspective kind of day just because I had that energy in the morning and yeah. it really, it really was. And I was kind of like feeling almost a little down, slightly depressed in the beginning part of the day. And then the latter part came and, uh, I, I like was really highly energized and felt great. And so it was, uh, it, it's really important. And it also allows you to connect with you. Like you, in that moment, are going to yeah. be you're going to be writing down something that's coming and channeling from you from that source goodness and then you know you you can go and read it later or not and you know read it 10 years later or whatever and be like wow like I can't believe I fucking wrote that that's the cheesiest shit I've ever <laughs> said in my life and I wrote it down how you know and so it's it's fascinating to just document you know our own lives and our own thoughts because documentation is in our line of work is like incredibly important. And we rely a lot on documents and words and writing and text. And so it's like, wow, why aren't we tapping into that 
more. And by we, I mean, you know, Fire Tribe might already be doing that. They might be way ahead of us on the game. <laughs> they might be dream journaling, and I hope that they are. They're doing these things. As for me, I'm speaking for myself. You know, I don't want to miss out on it because I want to be able to open up as many pathways and doors into my life and connection that I can. So I really am going to start taking this writing more seriously. Um, yeah, it might even help you like discover that you have a book inside of you that you didn't know about. <laughs> who fucking knows? Right? Yeah. That'd, yeah. Be, that'd, that'd be a lot of writing. That sounds like a lot of time and work, but could be fun. I know. I want to, I want to write a book. I've always wanted to write a book. We'll see. Ain't no time like the motherfucking now. All <laughs> right. So what's good, baby? We're going to get into this interview. Or- yeah. Let's, let's get into the interview. People are tired of hearing us fucking talk. I know. They hate us. Here we go. Bruce the Torres. Torres. The subject of God. God. And universality. And universality. Duality. Duality. Good and evil. Good and evil. Here it is. Here it is. Wake. Wake. <laughs> hey, up. everybody. Thank you for tuning into today's show. We are rising from the ashes. And we, as the fire tribe, will rise. Awaken our eyes beyond. What is seemingly laid upon us? We can extend our consciousness to the further ends of our cosmic understanding. If you enjoy our show and you like the content that we create, make sure to like and subscribe. Share with your friends. Hello, everybody. Yes, please, please, please do. Also follow us on Instagram at RFTA Podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, you can email us at risingftashes at yahoo.com. We are exclusively on Alt Media United. Check it out, altmediaunited.com forward slash rising. From the ashes, I'm Dan Unaki Dan, and I'm the homie Romy. Hello, everybody. How are you today? What's going on, homie? What you up to, man? Um, I'm eating ghost pepper nuts, dried apricots, um, smoking on some herbal cigarettes made of Molin Lemon Verbana, uh, Blue Vervain, Blue Lotus, Lavender, Mugwort, Molin, and Raspberry Leaf. Got the Hogwarts cigarettes, huh? Yep. Interesting. How's that make you feel? 
Uh, it's really great. I'm working on a bunch of different blends, uh, trying to top match them with the um, five elements and the five major arcana. Uh, working on some some special plant alchemy over here. Oh, interesting, man. Well, today we are joined by Bruce de Torres, Bruce, the author of God School, nine eleven, and JFK. He's a marketing director for Trine Day. Uh, which is a publishing company, which tons of book on books on there. Check out com, And you can also check out brucetatorres.com. Uh, Bruce, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. It's an honor to be here with you two guys. Thank you. Thanks, it's an man. honor for us, man. We are very stoked. Yeah. We got to talk to you on Emmanuel Kingman's group show. And we talked about, you know, uh, breaking outside the box. And we talked a little a lot about like how children are influenced a lot by all the cartoons and candies and sweets and all the other crap, you know, and the indoctrination really starts when you're super, super young. And by the time you're older, you don't even notice that you're indoctrinated. And so to break out of that is, is quite hard sometimes for some people uh, to really break out of it. And uh, you wrote a book, uh, God, school, nine eleven, and JFK, which are, I mean, for the biggest topics of in, in the conspiracy world. Uh, do you want to give people uh, a little summary of of those things and why they are so impactful to the indoctrination process that we all go through? Yes, and thank you. And the subtitle is "The Lies That Are Killing Us and the Truth That Sets Us Free." So now you know what to expect. If you picked it up in the bookstore, the table of contents, the first couple of chapters are identity, uh, the internal talking mind. Uh, the first chapter is common sense before it gets into God, school, 9-11, JFK. Then a chapter, a brief history of the United States. And then a chapter, COVID-19. And then the last chapter, check please. So the first, the first are a cluster, that common sense identity, the internal talking mind, and the universe. Those are the first three or four chapters right before God. Those are a cluster which spread out what we want to talk about tonight. But uh, wrapping up about the book, I would just tell folks, urge folks, beg folks, go to brucetatoris.com and the front page is these amazing reviews. You're welcome. And then if you feel like buying the book, whoopee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, trinday.com. I went over there and looked at some of the other authors on there and there's a lot of good fucking books on there. I was really quite, uh, impressed with some of the other people on there. I was like, Ooh, I would love to have a few of these people on there. Um, we're, we're I think we're planning to do like a whole month about, uh, drugs and then uh, even more specifically like drugs and religious ceremonies and stuff like that. And, and uh, there's quite a few authors on there that were talking about that. So you send me a list and I will connect you by individual emails with those authors. Um, also maybe you saw, and I'll ask others on my site, there's a link to trying day podcast. And there's about 70 interviews, about 30 minutes each. Chris Milligan, the publisher, interviewing 
all is different. A lot of his different authors. I'm on there too. I help out with it. What a curriculum. What a get up to speed uh, experience. So I'd love to help you connect with any of those authors that you'd like. It's a great podcast. I listened to um, the Richard Spence episodes. Yeah. Uh, some some good stuff down that down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Thank you, Wall Street. Thank you, the Harrimans. Thank you, the Bushes. Uh, <laughs> Giving us uh, so much content to work on. Love it. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, excellent. So let's get into God and what is your perspective of God? Is is it a conspiracy? Is it taking people down a dark hole? Uh, how do you how do you really feel about that, Bruce? <laughs> I really feel this. I feel that everything is God. I feel that everything is divine. I think that life is completely mystical and magical. I think that what we experience on this five senses level is a minuscule, tiny percentage of what reality is. And reality, I believe, is infinite possibilities and human experience and modern science explains how what exists, this field of infinite possibilities, which we call energy, which we say manifests as particles and manifests as waves, is conscious. And it's also one mind field. So that that is God. God is the only thing that exists blossoming and manifesting itself to itself as you and what you perceive, me and what I perceive, all interacting and influencing and blending and collaborating. Every moment is a collaboration of all that is here. And the one thing, now this is where it gets fun and this is how I entertain myself and justify my life and look forward to death. Um, (laughs) uh, Playing... A, a game of one thing at a time as us, as humans in this realm of time and space, of linear time, of one thing after another. So like Bill Hicks, the comedian, famously said, it's all a ride. And folks who do psychedelics learn tons about this. And folks who die and flatline for a few minutes or 20 minutes, legally, completely, physically, literally dead, and then they come back, they say, where they were and what they experienced is infinitely more real than this. They don't have the words. They're really constrained. It's really a drag to kind of be forced back into this tiny, tiny thing after experiencing the expanded and expansive reality that they felt that they were and were a part of the totality of it. So everything is, is God. So, Having that kind of spiritual imagination is a major uh, suggestion, not only in my book, but from me to everyone I talk to, to overcome our fear of death and to lighten up a little and, and, and just embrace that power because there's a lot of gurus, there's a lot of charlatans, but there's also a lot of really genuine mystics and shamans and uh, spiritualists who give us very, very practical advice about how to calm the mind, just plain meditation, and experience 
what's real, experience what you really are. If we dial down the thinking and the chattering, chattering mind, we can feel what reality is, and it's all of the above. Now, you also asked about God. Is it a conspiracy? I inferred from that you were alluding to religion. Yes. And that is a, an abomination. That is just mind control. And in my chapter on God, I put Christianity on the table and I take it apart because I was raised as a Christian. I embraced it. I loved it. I was scared by a lot of it, implications. And as I've thought myself through it and read what tons and tons of people had to say about it in, in a pretty brief chapter, I, uh, I crucify Christianity. But I also praise, I praise uh, the character of Jesus, real or his historical or fictional. What a, what a lovey-dovey, uh, groovy, hippie weatherman he was, right? And he is responsible for my spiritual imagination. I grew up reading the Bible, specifically the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, over and over and over and over and over and over, many, many nights, many, many nights, from first grade till after college. When I wasn't reading other things, that was my default to go to bed. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then I got into the other books of the Old Testament because I was part of a little home-based Bible study group for two years. And we, we really just, we just tore it apart. We had our concordances. We looked at the Greek. We looked at the, I think, the mm -hmm. Aramaic. And we just, you know, I really, really, if this is true, I dove head in and that's what I do. When I get excited or passionate about something, I, I study it until I'm, I'm filled with it to, you know, as much as I want. So that's God and religion to Bruce. All right. So, so you do believe that Jesus was a real person or just the story of whatever he went through can help you uh, spiritually? I don't know if he was a real person. And the contemplating the character as portrayed in the Gospels, there's tons of very loving stuff to take from that as a model and as an inspiration. Do you uh, do you <clears throat> reflect on astrotheology at all? Like there, since you've extensively delved into the Bible, Old and New Testament, and um, you know, as an experienced writer and philosophical thinker as you are, um, have you taken away any symbolism that uh, you think was being relayed or trying to be interpreted? Maybe like kind of how you know the Egyptians, you know, uh, symbolized a lot of their uh, stories into pictures on walls, you know, the same can be done in words, right? That's, that's what writing is. It's a beautiful art. Um, and, and have you, have you experienced that or, or depicted any of that at all? I've been fascinated by it. And you're reminding me how much I love that movie zeitgeist about 15 years ago by Peter Thomas. Yeah. Right. And yeah. his, you know, section about Christianity and showing how, it's just a modern version of ancient beliefs that go back before time, you know, based on the sun, the 12 major constellations, Jesus and his 12 apostles, and all the, you know, Mithraism is that the religion yeah. and the Egyptian. Thomas Paine, the founding father who wrote so much to encourage us to be independent from Britain and 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 in praise of the uh, the age of reason and also 
critiquing Christianity, said Christianity is nothing but the Egyptian religion just applied to modern modern stuff. So, yeah, homie, yeah. Uh, when, when you say that you crucified Christianity, what is it about the religion of Christianity that is that is so bad? Well, for me, it's the fear, and it's also for the impact on a young mind, uh, children, to that whole scenario. And I make the point of the Catholic Church doesn't just have a, a wooden cross. It's got a crucifix. What's the difference? A crucifix has the twisted and battered and skinny and mutilated body of Jesus. That's a crucifix. And as I say in my book, what does it do to a young mind? If God would do that to his most precious son, excuse me, according to Christianity, if God would do that to himself, what won't he do to me if I litter? Or if I if I don't remember to if I don't remember to pray for not only every member of my extended family, all my aunts and uncles and cousins, every night by name and their pets. I, I, you know, <laughs> that's that that's and it's it's to and then the history of the Catholic Church. Look at the look at the rich and powerful landowning, peasant slaughtering. Domain conquering, royal slave, you know, slave owning, slave owning. It's you can't overestimate. I think the uh, harm of it. Now, how do you explain all the zealous and wonderful Christians out there? I can because I was one. You compartmentalize and you and you focus and you grab you grab the the security blanket you need. I do, you know, and it's. It's wonderful to go to church every Sunday and sing and hug and love people who are there to love you. And it's nice to have friends in your community. So when you, hey, my, I need a ride. My car's busted. I need to go rent a car. You have friends in a community like that. Churches are wonderful for that. And I'm not mocking or criticizing Christians or anyone who can believe Christianity because who am I to say why anyone believes anything? And excuse me, because I want the freedom and the right in the room to believe whatever I want for my reasons and not have to account to you, whoever you are. I set everyone free mentally in my heart to please believe whatever you want. You know, beliefs, we can put our feet up and talk about beliefs for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. It's when we confront each other to impose anything on each other and or punish each other or make it a law and a rule because of your beliefs. Now we're just dis- now we we're discussing and have we get to debate what's real and what's reality. That's where we're equals at the table and we can roll up our sleeves and present our evidence and like members of a jury make some, you know, make some decisions. It's like government almost. It's it's religion and government are almost hand in hand, you know, and they're creation to help each other i mean kind of just stay in power each way you know like they're neither of neither religion any religion religious circles of christianity or catholicism in america and with the american government paired is like they're they're both fruitful and has seen no end uh until the crumbling of society so that they've they've got that those those crutches to stand on for each other homie i'm hitting you with this 
Thomas Paine in the Age of Reason, the late 1700s. Uh, This is worth it. Hang in there. He says, I can't find it quickly, but he says exactly what you just said, that the institutions of uh, government and the institutions of religion, and he's talking about Christianity, both are designed and conspire to enslave the minds of men, and they mutually reinforce each other. You just paraphrased his conclusion. Go to the head of the class. No. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Thomas, yeah, Thomas Paine's actually my uncle. So yeah. Wouldn't it be great if Homie was one of the founding fathers? Founding father, <laughs> Homie Romy. Reincarnated, yeah. or he has a few of his <laughs> molecules, so he's got that cell memory, you know? I mean, if you um, want to know what uh, what – what God would do, look at the book of Job, right? Uh, where he plagues him and gives him all kinds of things, takes away his house, takes away his family, to inflicts him with all kinds of de- uh, punishments just to see if he will continue worshiping him and um, believe that he is the great. Now, to me, when we talk about religion in that sense and God, I don't really think God as a human uh, in the human sense, I think of him more as like an astral consciousness and uh, uh, something that we all can connect into, the, like the collective consciousness or whatnot. Um, but one of the things you're, when we started talking about government and God, uh, I, I'm curious, how do you feel about the fact that we have, you know, you got to put your hand on the Bible in courtroom to swear to God when we have the freedom of religion or all our presidents seem to have to be a Catholic or a Christian to become president. We've never had like an agnostic or spiritual president or cultism or anything like that. (laughs) Where where do you think that comes from? Um, Or how does that affect? Well, it probably comes from just pandering to the population um, over majority. Yeah. The 250 years. Um, and uh, that's where it probably comes from. How does it af- affect us? It's an example of our hypocrisy compared to our ideals of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and Congress shall make no law affecting uh, religion, um, and there good. shall be no religious test for office. So compared to our ideals in writing, it's an example of hypocrisy. Um, a homie said occultism, which is our hidden things. Why did you make that comment? Well, so, I mean, there's obvious in the conspiratorial mindset there, you know, the religion and government is up is down, right? So everything is flipped. So if they're bringing in this supposed, you know, Christian belief, Christianic belief, every time they do that, if it's flipped and they could be actually pledging to their power um, that, I mean, I, I believe that all of the American establishment was built upon the original occultism, right? Like it came over from, uh, from England where it was born. And then to establish the new world order completely, America had to be formed in the way that it was. And so tying in Christianity to that, I mean, it's just hand in hand, hand on the Bible, hand in the air, you know, there's a, there's, there's ties there. And, you know, earlier too, I wanted to bring up because I've been looking into, I have this kind of like working theory and study that I'm doing uh, 
called Antiquated Transhumanism and Resonance Architecture. And that kind of conveys this idea that that God has been and always will be electricity or energy and they being close to God or, you know, being in the cathedrals, being the rulers, having the crown, connecting the crown chakra to the ether energy and then being the conductors of the buildings that are all basically built for resonance, resonant absorbing ether energy. And then when the flip came, that's when Jesus came, the crucifixion came to change the real meaning of the cross. So the cross is an energetic symbol. The reason it's on top of buildings is because it is used to harness electricity and the centrifugal middle point is like the, where the heart chakra would be is this, is where the energy can, can kind of like, you know, go through and flow. And, uh, but you put a body on that and you completely change the meaning of the connection to God, which is energy, which is life, energy, and electricity. And there you have kind of a flip on it like that. And then I don't know, we're tying it into occultism. So that's, I think, was, you know, some of the birth of that and Christianity being occultism in general, because it's a fucking cult with hidden messages. Yeah. And you you wonder how much of the horror show being rolled out on humanity now some factions like to say we'll see how it fulfills this in the bible or this in the book of revelation might be total coincidence or these events might be orchestrated intentionally to impress and influence christians so that it does kind of model and reflect this document that was written you know hundreds of years ago, you know, Thomas Jefferson, I think called the book of revelations. That's just someone's bad dream. It just makes no sense whatsoever, blah, blah, blah. But we know we can see a lot of images in there that are consistent and congruent with a lot of belief systems and that have, that have come out from deep research about the Masons per se and whatever their occult, maybe Luciferian, et cetera. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot there's a lot out there that might be of dubious uh, validity, and it, and it might be meant to just get some get some clicks and get some viewers. Well, if you're a Luciferian, you're still a Christian or a Catholic, uh, because other religions don't believe in Lucifer. <laughs> we were gonna. Well, let's also break in up Satan too, because this month is themed on the God Satan paradigm. So, in your eyes, yeah, the duality. Yeah, like what and who who is Satan? What do you depict that? that character as um right now nothing um it raises your question raises in me the question of good and evil is it a, is it an object are those objective things are those impulses in the human heart um i recently was reading that that satan in the oldest text the word we call you satan is <clears throat> i'm gonna say the deceiver but that might not be right that i just read adversary Adversary, that's it. Yeah. Now, um, and what we open ourselves up to back in the 70s when the movie The Exorcist came out, you know, there was a flurry of talk for years about possession and uh, stay away from psychics because they channel spirits. They open themselves up. How do you know they're going to be channeling angels? Maybe they're going to be channeling, you know, evil spirits. Um, and homie, 
I would I want to say to be brief <coughs> about Satan that our 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 minds are ours and if I start thinking about Satan and reading about Satan and reading what everyone has to say about Satan not only will I start dreaming about those things but my imagination will start connecting dots and seeing your behavior and the guy who cuts me off at the red light as being imbued with these things that I'm growing and developing and nurturing and feeding with my time and attention. And that's how God-like you and I are. Wherever we put our attention, that thing is going to grow, whatever it is. Reasons why you're living the ideal life you designed before you were born. You were born into the humans you were born out of in order to experience everything you experience. And if you indulge that for weeks and weeks and days and days and write these gratitude lists, bah, 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 you're going to be the loosiest, goosiest, most wonderful person to be around. And you'll be, that's what you'll have to give other people because that's what you're filled with. But if you and I worry about he's a Luciferian, he's a Satanist, that's a, a satanic influence. Oh God, we're going to, we can do, do that. We can drive ourselves crazy and make anything real to us that we, that we want. Now, I'm really intrigued to hear what you guys have to say about Satan, his reality or his his influence in society. Go. Uh, well, what Roman brought up earlier about uh astrotheology is to me, uh I would say that the ancients pretty much thought God was the sun. Uh you see a lot of sun worship and everything else uh going on. And and I believe that's because the sun gives life. Without the sun, we would have no life. Uh, so they they venerated and worshipped the sun. Uh, but also the the moon was a very big part in the in the sky, in the daytime, in the nighttime. Is the Lord of the night, the Prince of Darkness. Uh, and I think the moon has to do with Satan or Lucifer, uh, mo- mostly Lucifer, because Satan and Lucifer and the devil are all different. Uh, and Lucifer, if you look at the two letters, L-U, Lu, you get Luna, Luna, Lunar, you get all kinds of other types of words, lust, um, uh, Illuminati, uh, it's in that word too. Uh, so Luscious. I think that Lu, and what you said earlier uh, a few minutes ago, is it's the adversary, right? So the moon is always opposing the sun. So I think that the idea of Lucifer is just uh, the moon and the sun is God. And those between those two things, uh, uh, people, you know, created stories just to reflect those different ideas. Uh, and it got spun out of control big time with religion. And uh, even modern, I think modern day religion has really turned it up a notch from from where it was in the ancient times, uh, these, I think it lost, lost its meaning at some point. And then people, uh, what's that word where they like turned it into something. Agrigor. No, uh, they well, internalized. That kind of trans- or, trans- re- oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. I think transmutation right. alchemy. I don't know if that's what you're looking for. Uh, yeah, they well, they internalized it and then made it 
something personal rather than something celestial. Uh, because if you look at the ancients, there, it was all about worshiping the stars and the planets and all those types of things. And I, I think that's where all these ideas of God and everything comes from. When you go into astrology, you know, they always tell you like, uh, well, if you're born under this sign, this is your personality. And this is like who you are because you're uh, born at this certain day at this certain time. And I, I think kind of that comes from like the certain point in the sky where you know, you line up to when you're born and you, you kind of inherit a soul or consciousness from that location. And it does kind of give you some personality because it, again, in astrology, things are kind of generalized, but for the most part, they are kind of accurate also. Also, you know, your environment and other things are going to have an effect on that. But I think in that time period, they, they knew that there was a celestial clock, a celestial wheel in the sky, and the arrangement of the planets had an effect on us. Uh, when you go into vibration and spirituality um, and energy, you see that like these planets have resonance coming from them. They have energy coming from them. So when we have these different alignments, you can have a different types of energy coming down to this planet and affecting how we behave or even act. You know, like they talk about that with the full moon, the crazies come out, you know, on a full moon and, or people act differently on, on the full moon, uh, and evil comes out of people, uh, I, I think well, so, this, so, something gets something gets altered during a full full moon. Yeah, yeah. And so people. I think I think uh, the planets and everything have an impact on our energetic self, and uh, we don't realize it. And people develop stories to explain those things, and then they turn into gods. And then the game of telephone, and over time, uh, they got yeah. more and more into the god aspect and less into the celestial aspect. And then it kind yeah. of turned into the, the craziness that it is now. Well, and and that just describes another thing, Thomas Paine. To just let's just beat him up tonight. Um, <laughs> he said that priests, paraphrasing, uh, don't want, don't like people who try to understand the uh, the the reason for things at the scientific level because. If they hold the mysteries, they can captivate a crowd, and that's their yeah. power over a crowd. Um, talking about astrology, as you were, and the full moon, the um, I looked at astrology a lot because I had a friend who is a certified uh, psychic uh, and medium and uh, astrologer who gives uncanny re readings to people. I mean, she's been hired by police departments to find dead mm. bodies. Oh wow! There's there's no doubting the truth and the knowledge that comes to her. Maybe be like remote viewing because we can all tap into what's there and everything's always there, and also the imprinting at our time of birth that you were describing, Dan, reminds me of Nassim Haramain, mm -hmm. a physicist. Do you know that name? Yeah, I like him. I love yes, yes. and he talks about how everything. Yeah, is imprinted in the, the the field that is. Yes, and that's where the memory really is. Our memories aren't in our minds here because our consciousness is not in our minds here. 
and that moment of our birth can definitely be an Im- an, an imprinted thing. Homie, am I walking on into ideas you want to share? <laughs> I mean, I I I'm just toying along. I was trying to look at some, you know, old Hermetic Kabbalist text real quick to kind of make some ties. But I think, yeah, hermetically or alchemically speaking, um, you know, the necessary amount of negative charge that needs to happen in order for any sort of charge to happen. So if we're talking you know, alchemical cosmology and, you know, the sun is the uh, anode and the moon is the cathode or vice versa, you know, um, then that creates our energy here or what have you. I think, yeah, I think it's um, the Satan character, the Satan feeling, the Satan energy, the opposing energy is inevitable um, and, you know, like, you know, and, and hermetic understanding or whatever and what have you just to, I love using that word. It's so great, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that it's, yeah, that it's always going to be here. And then there is a time and a place for it almost, you know? Um, and I think there's multiple reasons for why humans exist, um, and those those have polaric type of you know understanding as well. Like we have the physical body and the physical side, which you know could be considered that like lowly vibrational state of you know being physical, and that's our physical body will always relatively be only so much vibration allowed as to where our consciousness and our mind, that electricity, the connection to the conscious is our godly part and that type of connection. So, you know, physically is why we need to, you know, have that lust or, you know, the what have you. That to me is this, uh, you know, the sinking and and all of that. It's, I mean, it's, it's it, it can't be really explained um, in any one fashion. There's, I think it can be explained in every fashion. But in this fashion, I find... Um, it to be an energetic sense. And uh, there's something about the physical realm that relates more to probably the entities and Satan and, and that whole paradigm. And then there's our conscious realm, which, you know, has that higher vibrational state closer to God. And, and yeah, that's, it's quite fascinating. Yeah. Even in our own bodies, our crown is our positive part of our body and our, our ass would be our negative part, right? Even with your chakras, right? The the red part is the bottom part where shit gets comes out of, or excrement comes out of your P two. Um, that could even be why it's called the demon seed in in some instances. It's weird that blood it. is blue inside your body and red when it comes out. Yeah, that's weird. Oxygen, yeah. Um. But when you're talking about energy and that imprint, it made me think. I, I watched this video about cats, and uh, and cats when they move around, they can actually see like the tracers of that animal that was just there, and that's how they're such good hunters uh, because they can see like the imprint that that cat or other animal left and they can, they can trace that around. And so I think energy is like that too. Energy can't be created nor destroyed. Right. So 
when you when you think about energy even when if i get up from the seat my energy is still going to be in the seat for a few hours uh later because it leaves that physical imprint on it so uh like i mean that can get into like ghosts and everything else but even the positive and negative aspect of the sun being a positive and the moon being a negative, uh, you often hear people talk about how it's actually colder in the moonlight. Uh, it's because it's a negative type of anode. There, that is the duality of this world: is the sun and the moon. And and contemplating it as primitive people did, they did come up with all kinds of stories. Maybe just because they were high and they were entertaining themselves. Or they were entertaining their kids, and then it gets taken very literal, literally by those who want to abuse and manipulate and scare people into. Yes. Oh, I have to give you my virgin daughter and the best crops I've grown in order to make sure it rains tomorrow? Okay, great. Um, talk about the moon again. I, have, I had a friend who worked for a time as a volunteer in an emergency room in a hospital. And anyone in an emergency room will tell you during a full moon, there's a surge. Mm-hmm. Of all kinds of victims of accidents and violence because people go a little woohoo. And I also recently read that these engineers, these geologists who were trying to plot something in Texas a few years ago, many years ago, whatever, they, re- they, they realized as they were doing their measurements from satellites even to really get it right, maybe like drill an oil well, they realized that as the moon passed every night, the, the mantle of the earth would rise up to 18 feet. Wow. It's not just tides and water. That's how strong the moon is. So wow. to contemplate that is intense. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's fascinating. Also, I've never heard that before. I never I never heard that before. And it just makes you, <laughs> you like get on your knees with kind of like awe and respect. Like we don't know a fraction of what's really going on. And yeah. Dan, um, so much of what you framed – when you say, you know, the ancients thought this about the moon and this about the stars and this. Yes. In the in the culture we are in the middle of, in the history of our culture, the Western culture, and maybe in all cultures and in all time, but I also, we shouldn't forget to talk about how tribes and indigenous people and other places and many places around the world back in the way back had a very uh, enchanted feel for life and like the native americans their entire tradition of the buffalo is our is our brother the eagle is our brother and all serve each other and they would honor the spirit of the earth and the spirit of the sky and the spirit inside everything there was a sense that life was enchanted and you add to that the research of the last many decades of how much cannabis mm. has was part of human development yeah and how much even psychedelics and the herbs. And that goes into all the native traditions of how the wives and the grandmothers and the wise ones, they knew for any ailment or injury you had, Mm -hmm. which of the earth's produce was the the cure or the bomb and the, and the cure or the whatever for it. So it's, it's, it's up and down and it's left and right. You know, it's what they saw in the stars over many, many uh, eons. (coughs) Which also raises the question of the legacy of what knowledge and information did uh, even modern civilization uh, develop from an alien 
contribution because there are markers on the planet and there's information written from ancient times that reveal an astronomical knowledge and awareness that wasn't possible until telescopes were invented many, many years later. So that triggered all those thoughts, you know, in our conversation <laughs> so far. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's so fascinating, like the ancients and what they believed and where, where this knowledge came down from. Um, I mean, you talk, uh, a lot of people talk about the use of psychedelics and the use of, uh, marijuana in, in rituals. Uh, I mean, even ayahuasca, the ayahuasca ceremonies in the Amazon are a long held ritual. And they told them that the plants talked to them and, and told them how to make it. So, I mean, there is this connection that we can have with this consciousness that exists on this planet that we can tap into in some way if we can get to there. Uh, Buddhists believe if you can meditate and free your mind from the thoughts of the mundane materialistic world, that you can have a better chance of connecting with this consciousness and finding out the meaning of life. And in their aspect, the meaning of life is to, I don't know, devote all of their time and energy to getting outside of their brain and going to other places. Uh, I watched a video the other day about Buddhist monks that live up in the, in the mountains and, they have some pretty interesting, crazy practices that they do. They they eat very little foods. They don't want uh, that much. And uh, they actually look very weak um, in their body. But in their mind, they're so strong that they can still do anything. Uh, this guy was doing like this weird uh, meditation mantra thing. It was like called core, core something. And he was like popping up off the ground from from a, like a, a Buddhist seating seated uh, seated position, and like kicking his leg out and then folding it back to a Buddhist position while he's still in the air, and then landing back down and like he's like doing these things with his arms, and it was like making these like weird snap sounds, and I was just like man, this guy is so deep in the meditation that he has no, just no idea of the outside world right now. He is completely internal and, and just using complete brain and, and consciousness. Chan it's very fascinating. Deep, deep, deep. Yeah. It's very fascinating to see people do this. You know, they talk about monks being able to like poke holes in trees with their fingers or, uh, Qigong, right? That's like where they can move the energy in your body and, and like pull that energy out. Like these are like sciences that like science can't explain. They have no explanation for these things, but yet we can see people do them. I mean, this world is so much bigger than what we can understand that it is. So, uh, like the aspect of aliens to me, I, I'm not really sure if there is aliens. Maybe they are tapping into a galactic consciousness or talking to plants. And maybe the plants have been here for so long and they have all uh, the answers. You know, yeah, I was going to, I was going to say, I was like, I wonder what these monks ability to tap into the plant consciousness and plant kingdom, their communication with, with that, like that must be fascinating. 
are, are you aware of remote viewing? Do you know what that is? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And 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 even back to the to the basic premise of this episode, you know, God and Satan. If I understand, or what is God? Right. I don't want to. I don't want to f- fail fulfilling the exploration that yeah that we could have explore about explore all that. things. Hit hit us with well, questions. You know, make us. Well, well, we're in it. We're in it. I just want to touch base with you to make sure, like, just do a do a check that it's satisfying what the curiosity of this episode was intended to be because to talk about God and religion, it's nice to separate. We are into an examination of God as an examination of reality because just the concept of, is there a holy thing? What is it? Is it conscious? What does it intend for us? Does it intend anything for us? How do we interact with it? We're way down a nice rabbit hole reviewing what we're pretty certain of all the people who've reported all these kind of experiences about what's possible to a human being in meditative states, relaxed states, psychedelically induced states to explore what consciousness is and remote viewing for anyone who's listening who who they're new to it. It's a it's the ability to get quiet, picture something real somewhere on the planet or in time past or in the future and be able to actually see it and bring oneself very, very close to it. And in fact, almost become it and be there at that moment in time, which is very consistent with tons of spirituality and quantum physics that says the sequence of time, past, present, and future is something of an illusion. Einstein said something along those lines. I try to sum it up, and I love the fantasy that everything always exists. Every version of everything exists. Meaning, like you talked about, Dan, getting up and leaving your chair. Yeah, the energy stays. Tomorrow, we're going to be doing what we're going to be doing tomorrow. But we are always having this conversation right now at these tables, at these chairs, and in these microphones. Right now, we're still in first grade, and every version of every event uh, exists as on some level or in some dimension. This is this is my imagination talking based on what I studied about energy and consciousness and quantum physics and all of its implications and all the mysticism. So there's a version of first grade that happened exactly the way you remember it, but there's also a version of our school life where. We were the most popular uh, athlete. We got straight A's and we went on to become rich and famous at whatever career you fantasize about it. For me, it was an actor, being an actor. So there is a reality out there yes. that where I won the Academy Award and I'm in Hollywood with, all, with the pools and the cars and working with my fantasy friends, Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, you know. <laughs> and But there's also... The version that, um, you know, I got I got herpes and VD and chlamydia, uh, uh, you know, at, at, at 14 and things rotted and fell off my body. And then I became hooked on drugs and became a scoundrel and a, and a, and a rapist and a child molester. <laughs> so it's did you ever read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill? I highly recommend it. 
you know, it's not just about how to make money, which an artist like me just revolted against, rebelled against when I was young. It's a very spiritual book. And he really talks about the power of the mind that whatever we imagine exists. And the more we feed it our time, attention and make plans and get a mastermind group and have other people brainstorm. And then you get investors, you literally can create an elephant that flies. If we wanted to, we really, really could. Now, with what's happening with gene manipulation, is an elephant that flies really outside the, the realm of possibility anymore? I say not, okay? So that's how mystical and magical this realm is. That's how God, you and I, really, really are. And I believe that the, the, the elite of the elite, the rich psychopathic lunatics who created Western culture and civilization, who steered us into very mental, literal, uh, reading, writing, rational, analytical, male-dominated priorities so we can be uh, obsessed with figuring things out, lost in our heads, lose our natural connection to life and nature, lose our connection to our energetic feelings and our spiritual realities, etc. They captured and kept from us what the natives knew for centuries, you know, when we say science imagines it, what we think of as science, what's presented to us as science from the institute, the universities and, uh, you know, government institutions is this, it's Rockefeller science. It's Rockefeller medicine, which means it's uh, very physical. It's very, take these drugs and we're going to chop you up and deal with you as just a, a you know, a piece Fake. of meat that can talk. It's got, it's, they have kept, I believe, uh, wisdom and technologies and strategies, homeopathic and natural, you know, remedies. They're plugged into all this. They know all this. They know all about these other dimensions for many, many uh, reasons, mm -hmm. whether it's this, you know, I'm now I'm fire hosing. Maybe I'm a mic hog. I'm test. I'm checking with <laughs> no, you. Guys. You're good. You're good. You're good. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll I mean, take a breath. <laughs> I mean, let me get in there. Let me get in there. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so there's a show that I just finished watching, and I knew that I had to. My my soul wanted me to watch it because I don't watch a lot of TV, but I had been recently, and I've, I've been very choosy with all the craziness that's on there. But I knew they made a Twelve Monkeys show from the movie Twelve Monkeys, and so I said I need to watch it, see what's in there, how they expanded and unfolded on the original storyline, right? And lo and behold. It is loaded with a shit ton of symbolism, in my opinion. Now, people go and watch it and find out for yourself, right? Starting off from the the main character being James Cole, JC, right? The Jesus Christ character, the only person who can go into the time machine and travel back and forth. And um, later during the show, I love the concept because philosophically, when you're talking about time like we are and time like the show is about, they they bring up a lot of the same things that you said that that is that they're the time is not linear you're able to jump in and out of time regardless of technology now the people in the show um only could do the jumping back forth through technology but then later they bring in the seers right these people who are able to tap in and they're always crazy. They're they're you know they're they're damn near lunatics, but they're able to tap in to different timelines in their head, and then they're being hunted by the army of the twelve monkeys. And uh, 
it's just I, I it's it feels so legit and so real because of the experiences I've had when I go in to meditation mode and when I lose track of the linear time around me and the viscosity and the ooze that is, you know, the reality, the cosmic reality and not the, you know, societal simulation. That's just like a regular, that's just like regular water, but the cosmic reality is like a fucking viscous ooze. And when you slip out of your, you know, just normal thought process and able to dive into any sort of deeper state of meditation or breathing, then you're you're like you're melding time your, yourself, you know, when you're able to construct these moments and this matter in your mind and then experience it, make it malleable, reform it, however, and then bring it to your present time when you snap back. And then you go from there how much you want to bring that into like an agoricorical sense into the physical manifestation reality. And what, what do you just, mean by in an? What do you mean in an aggregorical sense, please? So, like, I am, I'm bring, I'm trying to tie Egregore. in stuff that you were talking about. Yeah, aggregore is like I'm not when, so familiar with that word. Go, I'm sorry. Um, it's when there's a group of people that think about something and it brings it into physical manifestation. Thank you. Right. So, which is which is very common. And so, you're talking about making an elephant that flies. Well, it's like if I, you know, if I jump back to another timeline through remote viewing and and just, you know, depending on how much intention and how much human energy is put into making it happen in our current it, it, timeline, but it's so possible. It, but it, yeah, and part of my passion is to encourage people to look at these things to develop our our powers because my my life is about embedding myself right here and now in the here and now every single moment with as little mental chatter and thinking and analysis as possible because i've embraced the idea that this infinite field that we've been talking about this whole time is not only conscious but it's benevolent, so much so that it is love, 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 love. And with that as the goal or the standard or the, or the, the, the point to aim toward, it's the antidote to all my problems as a human, which come from fear, which come from the idea of otherness and competition and scarcity and stuff like that. And a group of people coming together to, 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 to manifest something <coughs> is uh, another aspect of the encouragement from wise ones to pay attention to the coincidences. And then you can also discover your power. If you wake up in the morning and you really calm yourself and you journal, and I recommend that to everyone, figure out you know a couple of things in the morning, write some things down, get some thoughts flowing. I'll come back to that in a wonderful major way in a minute. And you just... Think about something and you just, you let it go. There shouldn't be any strain in manifesting according to my understanding mm -hmm. of the really, really empowering ones. And because I have, for whatever reason, have had dozens and dozens of experiences where I will think of, let's say, a cardinal, you know, a red bird. Haven't seen one in months. I take a walk that within an hour. And boom, one of them just like, you know, lands and plays around, you know, 10, 10 feet from me, that kind of thing. So if everything always exists, did I, did I cause that? Did I summon it? 
Did I attract it? Or earlier, before I went on my walk, did I just was I on the same wavelength as that thing, the thought of that thing? <coughs> so it's kind of a fulfillment. I don't know, Roman, if I've, I've gone off the rails with what I, you were talking I wanna about. I want to touch on that real quick. No, it's beautiful because it made me think of this thing that I do. So I live in beautiful, beautiful Northern California, and I know why they're trying to burn it down. I know why they're trying to drought us out and shrivel us up is because it's fascinating earth and it's fascinating magnetism and the land is quartz and there's so many hawks that fly around in the canyon that i live people come to my farm and they're like what the f- i dude i saw like 10 hawks on the ride up here i'm like yeah dude like you will see hawks vultures deer rabbit fox, like everything right and it's beautiful and i have this very amazing connection with my dog he's my best friend um and we he saved my life you know, through multiple accounts and we're there for each other and we're bonded and it's amazing. And so I try to speak with him with no words um, and strictly through vibration and thought. And so I, it's worked twice, but it's the same kind of thought. Like it, what? So I'll take my shoes off and I'll, I'll just be like, and I'll just think, I'll just be like, Zuchi boy, come here, Zuchi boy. You know, and then it's like, do this thing and, and then I feel it. And, and then he comes around just all happy and beautiful. And I'm like, did I do that? Did we do that? Or is this just coincidence? Cause you're always by my damn side. It, and, remi- it reminds know. me of, you know, and another is spiritual advice to someone to develop their spiritual imagination is pay attention to the coincidences. I'm going to say everybody has had the experience where you think of an old friend you haven't thought of in a million years, and within an hour, they call, and they say, you popped into my head about 90 minutes ago. Now, animals. I just discovered on YouTube this guy called James French. That's his YouTube channel, and he teaches the trust technique. He teaches people how to calm their animals down so that they can be trained, and it's Roman, you, you, you're going to love this guy's videos. You know, they're short, they're blurry, they're homemade. And then he wants to sell you his training <laughs> package, whatever. But I watch these videos over and over and over because I'm trying to calm my ass down because I'm just another worried, neurotic human being trying to figure out, you know, what to do. That's our childhood. And we have to spend the rest of our life overcoming that habit, which we've got by the time we're seven or 10 years, 10 years old. Uh, the point about journaling, I want to spit this out. A great book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I have heard of this book. Ooh! Subtitle, A Spiritual Way to Develop Your Creativity. So she talks about one of her exercises is morning pages. Fill three pages. Even if you write, I'm writing because The Artist's Way says I have to fill these three pages So I'm moving my pen and putting this ink on the page because those exercises, people who do those, they discover all these different ideas, all this poetry, all these songs, all these lyrics, all these plots and plans, solutions to their relationship problems. It's miraculous for priming the pump of our creativity, the artist's way. Um, and then just, you know, back to that think and grow rich folks, you know, Napoleon Hill, he interviewed the major successes of the earliest, early 20th century, you know, Carnegie's and 
Edison's and Ford and whatever. And he, and he developed his principles of thoughts become things. That's the takeaway. And he says, all of these most successful guys and a lot of them are scumbags. We know that we know that they're scumbags and blah, blah, blah. But they, <laughs> they preached and taught success, you know, and what Napoleon Hill has given people has been a bestseller since the 1930s. The book's never been out of print. And he talks about developing an imagination, imaginal uh, mastermind. And his heroes were Jesus Christ and Abraham Lincoln. And at the, by the end of the book, he's saying, <clears throat> these guys, and I would, so I could bring them the questions to my you know, business problems. He said his imaginary mastermind group with those guys got so real to him and he became a you know a massive success selling his book and selling you know teaching and training people about how to overcome fear and it's the most humanistic most empowering ideas that, that we've touched upon in this conversation about whatever you want to create you can and I'll, I'll wrap up this monologue with with this the major goal is peace and calm in our in ourselves in our own skin it's to get our raging minds under control but i want to get back to god and satan the purpose of this episode um yeah man i mean uh when you guys were talking about you know seeing seeing the red cardinal because you were thinking about the red cardinal uh it made me think of like stephen greer and how he does like these seti things where he brings yeah. a bunch of people out to a place, they all meditate and concentrate on seeing yeah. something in the sky, right? Whatever it is, a oh, UFO it's a or the fifth like, kind. They summon not only UFOs, yeah. but then they have the the uh, the beings like whirl around them. Yeah, so they're they're bringing that into their own consciousness. So whether or not it's a real physical thing, or if it's uh, if it's physical, yes, but they're they're also in a way they're attracting maybe because they're sending out a signal and it's being attracted to them. Like it's a, the like same a moth example of, it's the same example of this James French who gets hired by, by people. Cause they've got a, they got a horse. That's a beautiful horse, young horse, but it's just, it's antsy. It's bouncy. It's rough. And he just sits and says, he empties his own mind. He gets present. And the more present he gets and calms his own mind down, it calms the mind of the animal down. And it takes a long time. So they they cut through the video. Now the horse is sitting on the ground next to him. You know, and then they dissolve. Now the horse is laying on the ground next to him with its head in his lap. Wow. And then they dissolve to like, you know, it's hours later or it's the next day. He's working with an animal for days, you know. And he's training the horse, this absolutely untrainable horse. And it goes back to, Dan, what you just described. The only thing that exists is one vast, infinite mind, period. Check, please. That's it. That's what God is. That's what reality is. We live in a mind field. So, Dan, for the rest of your life, when you think of me, I want you to know I'm thinking of you and I'm wishing you... (laughs) blessings and peace and just abundance and let everything in your life unfold like Deepak Chopra says with effortless ease oh nice (laughs) how glorious and beautiful is that that's 
That's amazing. And it's, uh, and it's urgent because it's the antidote to the shit storm of fear that we're living in right now. That's the antidote. Reality, our true nature, where the body heals itself. When you get the right herbs in it and you get the right sound waves going and the light, the right light waves going, we can heal ourselves. We can live longer. And it's urgent because just to get political for a minute, we're, we're, being, we're being tortured and strangled and sickened and terrified out of existence if more people don't wake up to these realities. Oh, gross. So true. <laughs> so true. There's, it's, uh, uh, there's so many convolutions deep, deeply tied and intertwined. This fork of spaghetti we're twirling up here. <clears throat> and I don't mean any convolutions in anything we've said, but just in the, the proverbial plate of uh, poison pasta that is the uh, paradigm of uh, these parasitic pantheon uh, all right, part, all right. part okay sorry i was trying to go with the p's the letter p <laughs> letters i always say that fear is the ultimate evil i mean that's that's really what it is that is god is love it's, satan is fear it's it's the not understanding of things uh you you see this a lot with right versus less left paradigms right one side doesn't understand the other so then it be- turns into a fear thing. Now uh, the left doesn't understand the right, so now the right is all conspiracy theorists and QAnons and Trump tards and everything else because they don't have a conversation with each other to try to get to the point of understanding. And so because they fear the other side and what they believe in, it turns into something external, and then that turns into hate. I think there's like a quote from Yoda that's like, Fear turns into anger. Anger turns into hatred. Hatred turns into something else. I f- what was that quote, Roman? Come on. Um, and then hate turns into Obi Wan Kenobi. And <laughs> I think it ends with hate, but I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it does. Uh, but but the point is, is like fear and not understanding of people is 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 what really like creates this negativity. And, you know, I, I started a, a show where I talked to people about spirituality. And part of that is to try to break down these walls that we have up and not understanding other people's spiritual beliefs. Because even though I might be an agnostic and not believe in Jesus or whatever, other people might, and it might work for them. And who am I? to say that they shouldn't believe that who am i to say somebody shouldn't be hindu or who am i to say that because they worship multiple gods they they believe in satan because they don't believe in jesus um so i, I kind of started this other show to talk to people about their spiritual beliefs to understand them so that way we no longer have to fear these other ideas because when you really look at it and you really get deep on it, you realize they're just all they're all people like you, and they they we all believe the same thing. We all just want peace. We all just want harmony. We all want to be happy, and uh, and that that's really like 
life too. That's that's that love, that unconditional love that you were talking about. You know, connecting to that consciousness, connecting to God is having that unconditional love and being accepting of everyone no matter what they believe or what they do. You know, and not shunning people or demonizing yeah. people, but yeah. accepting um, people and who they are. Yeah, and and for adults, much of what you just said requires knowing why do I think what I think. Okay, for most Amer- for a lot of Americans, I don't know if it's most. They think what they think because they saw it on TV. Period. Full stop. Oh, That's it. TV. That's it. Now, which is a lot of reasons to fear different groups, okay? Mm-hmm. Vaccinated, unvaccinated, uh, Christians, Jews, Muslims, everything you just described. Why do you think that, okay? And that's the door that opens to know thyself, okay? And encouraging folks to figure out why they think what they think, uh, goes a long way toward the end result you just described. Of we all want to, we all want to live. We all want to be happy. We need each other's help. Let's figure out how to get along. More people get along, and this is all very nice <clears throat> and vital and very very important. Um, it's tempting to want to to go into a big dissection of current events, the current medical scare. Um, to, to, to inspire more people to look at the information, not only in my book, but in the Trine Day podcasts to, to see, huh, because Uncle Bruce is here to tell you, <laughs> I am convinced that most, if not everything in the mainstream media is fire-hosed at us to scare us and split us apart. And to get us to blame this group, that group, this group, it's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault. And that's why in the last 20 years, depression rates, drug abuse, alcoholism, suicide attempts, and suicide have grown exponentially. 20 years in the last two years because of COVID, it's a missile shot practically straight up. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, yeah. suffering going on out there because people believe what's on TV, and to be some kind of antidote to that, exploring their spiritual beliefs and all this other stuff is is vital because why do I believe what I believe can set a lot of people free. Yeah, for sure. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about that I believe is important uh, in this whole duality of life that we live in is the aspect of the female and uh, the woman uh, because it has seemed to have kind of gone away over time and it was looked at and appreciated in ancient times. Uh, That woman was the creator. She was the one that created life and she was well-respected. But in this day and age, it seems like we no longer have that love for them like we used to and we they're kind of like Rudolph you know we're not we don't let them play in any of the reindeer games with the patriarchy that <laughs> exists in politics and in uh 
religion yeah. has kind of dro- drove that aspect away and the aspect of the family and you know the one parent households uh has really messed the population up to the point where you know we don't even understand how to be humans in the right way anymore we're so distracted by all these other things and uh dan Dan, when did you read my book uh sorry sir i have not i uh, I so- just you, heard about like you. Could, it sounds like you could write time. it. Uh, it sounds <laughs> like you could write it based on all of the above. Continue. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this aspect of the family and stuff. I'm sure because uh, we talked about this on on Emmanuel's podcast. Uh, maybe you can get into this aspect of the family and what it means to be without this f- feminine aspect. <sighs> It, it's uh, part of what has crippled our society, our culture, America, using America as an example, which really is a large part of the world now. Western civilization is, is this. Um, there's a great new book out called A History of the Goddess by Ed Dodge. It's a Trine Day book. Excellent. Subtitle, From the Ice Age to the Bible. Oh. And he reviews how- Wow. God had a wife, and through those cultures up until this patriarchal Asherah. Christianity, yes, exactly, uh, has been imposed on us, and it's an abomination, you know. And it, and I'd like to compare this, like other things, to what humanity knew at that tribal, primitive, earthy uh, level, and. Humanity is male and female, folks. So what has been intentionally done in America to, to, or in Western civilization to marginalize and demonize women, um, there's, a great, there's, a, there's an author who's written a book or two where he makes the point <clears throat> that wherever there's a sudden rise in literacy, there's a demonization of femininity and there's an embrace of Patriarchy, mm. um, because it develops and cultivates the the rational. Uh, is it the? It's the left brain. Is the logic thinking at the expense of the intuitive, emotive, and creative, artistic, more feminine side? And humans are an integration of both. It's kind of the the yin and the yang symbol, mm-hmm. where the the yang masculine energy has inside of it the yin feminine receptive energy and part of it and vice versa the yin feminine has inside of it the yang uh, masculine assertive aggressive active uh element and we need to be a blend that's constantly swirling and swishing around those to accommodate and moment by moment whatever it is that we're, we're trying to accomplish um in my chapter on school, I do a nice dissection of the harm of ch- children not being raised by their families, not being raised by loving adults who would protect them and supervise Love. them. And um, uh, how it, and also back to the tribal uh, phenomenon, often. 
of initiation, when men and when boys and girls were at that age where they were ready to transition into being adults, the tribe pounced on them and often would, in many situations, not all the time, not every culture, not every tribe, pounced on them, gave them a new name, typically threw them into a death-defying you know, isolation and watch them in, you know, in, hidden from afar to, to see if they're going to survive or not. Or maybe literally just like blindfolded them, drag them to someplace they'd never been before and left them. They had to find out how to get water, how to get food, how to fend them, defend themselves against wild animals and figure out where they are and get themselves back to the tribe as it's uh, making up an example of an initiation. And if they survived it, they got new scars. Maybe they knocked out a tooth. They got a new name. They shaved their head. They were welcomed. They were then they were taught by the men and given full responsibilities of adulthood, returned to the tribe, sometimes introduced to their mother. And she would pretend to meet this man, this new thing for a new for the first time. A metaphorical death of the child, a metaphorical rebirth. You're born again as an adult. That's completely missing in Western culture. It's completely missing in America. And that's why you've got the allure and the appeal of gangs for young boys, because we're, they're looking for some savage, death-defying experience in order to feel that I can conquer death in some way, shape, or form. Okay? I can survive a death. In gangs, there's an aberration. It's criminal. I can inflict a death. Therefore, I'm a master of death. It's psychotic, it's neurotic, it's perverse, it's sad, dangerous. These are the issues about raising kids, uh, stealing kids from families and raising them in an institution called school. It's worth another 60 seconds to hear this, that school prevents us from making decisions, period. Humans need to make decisions to be calm, centered, self-confident, adults for the rest of their life, we need to make, I'm going to say, 10,000 decisions in order to learn how to trust my own judgment so I, I don't automatically believe authority and I'm not automatically manipulated by a cult leader to get his approval, uh, which sounds like Stockholm Syndrome. You can abuse the, sh- the hell out of me, but as long as you just throw me a scrap of bread and a little <laughs> bit of water at the end of the day, I'll do whatever you want. And that's good enough for me. That's the freedom of a slave. Um, maybe ranting and raving on tangents and, uh, it's, it's vital to understand how, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton's work, the biology of belief, he says from birth till seven years old, children are in a subconscious super learning state and the power dynamics of our family, what works and what doesn't work, we ingest and develop as unconscious programs that we use for the rest of our lives. Typically families that money's a problem, no matter how hard those adults, they grow up to be adults, they can scrimp and save. They can read all the books. They can try all this other stuff. They just can't make money work. They just can't because when they were young, they absorbed and memorized subconsciously. It's unknown to them. Beliefs like uh, money's hard to get. Money doesn't grow on trees. Ah, uh, there's never enough. We never have enough money. We always have too much debt. We always have too many bills to pay, and that's it. And to overcome that is is very very hard. And you can help a kid overcome that, and develop a 
effectiveness if you let them make decisions and develop some self-confidence. And that's my diagnosis of what's wrong with America is that no, someone on TV says you have to wear a fan on your forehead to blow COVID away from you. You're going to see a lot of people wearing a fan to blow COVID away because we don't trust our own judgment unless you've made 10,000 decisions. Right. Opinion. Yeah, you see the people double double mask because that's going to help twice as much. If the one mask doesn't work, two of them's not going to work. Uh, and they don't look at things. They don't research things for themselves. That's because that's just not part of school and it's not part of the culture. Because now three and four year olds are given a cell phone, and that's hypnotic. That's an addiction. It's as bad as cocaine. The Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. A lot of the bigwigs say, I'm, I'm not letting my kids have a cell phone until they're 18. It's as dangerous as alcohol or guns. You just don't give it to a kid. A lot of a lot of what we're talking about in this episode is the whole balance and dynamic of life and how to maintain that balance and keep that ego in check. And when you look at television as what it's done to the communities as a whole is as program people to believe certain things and believe a certain way. And it's echoed within the politics and the religions of this patriarchy, which no wonder women, some go into prostitution or only fans or these other modes to get that attention uh, because they're not seeing that the woman is an important role in society. And what you start to have is you start to see them try to be more like their male counterparts to get that attention also, which is where we see the more masculine aspect coming through nowadays in the female and the degrade uh, degradation of the male aspect and now you have a lot of soy boys and sissy boys uh, because of this, because there has to be balance. So because the woman has to become more masculine, it makes the man have to become more feminine. And now the whole balance of society is off and that duality is gone. And we need to somehow find that again in that aspect. But what we find through conspiracy theories and this whole idea uh, or this community that we talk in is that the governments and societies that control the people use television, use food, use vaccines, use pharmaceutical drugs to dumb us all down so that we don't even understand the disease that we're really in is the is the reality that they have created for us and yeah. and to get out of that i think people do reach to god reach to religion to uh try to uh understand why evil is done so they can put it onto something else to put it onto the satan figure to put it onto these bad people so that way it takes the responsibility of this evilness in the world from themselves. And I I don't know 
if that's necessarily a good thing either. I think maybe we have to realize internally that we can change our reality and we can be the positive people that we want to be, but we have to let go of these things, which is the hard part is letting go of the television, letting go of the computer, letting go of the phone, letting go of the chocolate and the food and the candy bars and all that stuff and the fast food. And, you know, this society has pushed us into this uh, paradigm that almost feels impossible to escape. That's why we, a lot of people believe we're in a matrix. I mean, uh, you know, uh, we're in this pseudo uh, synthetic reality or not even living as free humans in this planet. So. Well, I, well, now that's a second level. I want to talk right into, well, no, Roman, how are you doing? I'm here. I'm fully in oh, it. Let, oh, go good. Ahead. Um, <clears throat> the boys and the girls, the uh, transgender, gender fluidity, which I'm inferring from some of the things you just described. Yeah, yeah. I think is not a to very be confused with transhumanism. <laughs> no, no, we'll get there. We're getting there. Um, <laughs> is part of uh, dehumanizing us and making you know, no, you eliminate the distinction between boys and girls. Okay, mm-hmm. um, it serves the capture by the entertainment and the cell phones and the, the digital virtual life that's really heavily being pushed to us, which is the transhuman um, agenda, because the more hopeless, the more doors that are closed, the less we can do in real life, the less comfortable we are in real life. If we're afraid of catching germs from each mm-hmm. other, there's a generation now being raised with masks. That's, not going to relate to a face. It's going to impede the development of their speech because we need to see what words look like in order to learn how to, that's a, that's a, that's an abomination, a crime against humanity an atrocity against this generation of children of, of unspeakable proportions. I always say that uh, putting the mask on the face gives people anonymity, just like, when they're behind their screen name on their computer, uh, it gives them the power to think that they can be assholes or do whatever they want uh, without accountability because people don't actually know who they are. They can hide behind it. Right. And that would probably be uh, ideas that the ego and ego really, really grabs and, and has to go into your life, energy and force need to be active. It's going to go somewhere. It could easily go right into those modes and into those ways of thinking. But subconsciously, I think it's a further alienation of people from each other and of a person from life. And if we're alienated from life, we're filled with despair. We can go into prostitution. We can go into crime. We can go into drug and alcohol addiction. We can go into suicide like that because it just doesn't matter. It's the despair. So the antidote is to let kids interact with life. And this is going to be a post-COVID thing. It was possible pre-COVID. Right now, we're in the middle of conditions that are impossible to come up with quick fix, easy answers to. Um, we've covered a lot of essential stuff that would really, really help anyone in despair of the in the chaos of current events, which is 
calm yourself down and try to ask yourself, why do you think what you think? There, I highlighted that enough. Um, oh, transhumanism. What was the next thing you alluded to? Oh, we're in a matrix. Okay, at a macro, at a real existential thing. Well, great. In that matrix, dance still what works is the stuff we reviewed, you know, earlier about our thoughts become things. Napoleon Hill, that's how he said mm-hmm. it in Think and Grow Rich. Our intentions influence reality, quantum physics says. The presence of the observer yes. influences the outcome of experiments. And that's a specific literal case in a lab. But the, the mystics and the grandmothers will tell you, you see what you expect to see. You see what you look for. If you wake up in the morning and you've got the habit, like I did, of thinking, oh, life sucks and everyone's an asshole, that's what I experienced all day long. <laughs> you know, and I can, I can spot an asshole. They're the person who calls other people assholes. You know, if you think someone's an asshole, you're an asshole. That's it. That's how it works. <laughs> you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. We see what we are, period. And that's very holographic. That's very fractal. That's very hermetic. Also, we see what we are. Um, <laughs> so the buck stops here. It's like to explore God, guys, really is the answer to it all because that's how powerful we are. And that's an antidote to how powerless and filled with despair society is these days. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts about God on the observer effect. Do you think that the belief that God is watching us changes our behavior or do you think it affects people's actions because they think somebody is watching them? Uh, I would allude to the fact that, you know, we tell our children that Santa Claus is watching, so you better be nice or, you know, he's not going to bring you your Christmas present and they change their attitude real quick. Do you think there's some type of observer effect Ter- going on? Terrible parenting, um, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, indisputably in that model that God is some other who's judging you and will reward or punish you if you get things right or wrong. That's mm-hmm. horrifying. And yeah. that's that's um, typically what people think of, I think, when they think about God. That's what God, whatever God is, it's not them. And right. the, the solution is to turn it around along the lines of everything we've just discussed that you're the observer. You're judging you in your life. You're judging life. You're saying life is good, life sucks. Yeah. That I've got options, I've got no options. You're saying all that. And that that's with 100% responsibility, that's where 100% power comes from. But we have our work cut out for us because America is filled with people who went through public school, 90% of Americans go through public school where they're not allowed to make decisions until they're full-grown adults, 18 or 22. What do they want for the rest of their lives? What they had during their formative years, somebody to tell them what to do. What about this uh, strange conundrum within the, the the human experience that, you know, the fear of wanting what you want or having what you think you want or the things that you want you is societally not condoned as okay? You know, that's a strange conundrum. Uh, it's a result of the base problem, which is just fear of making a decision, fear of wanting anything. Mm-hmm. Because 
We didn't make decisions until all through our formative years. We don't want to make decisions now. Don't ask me what I want. How the heck could I possibly know? <laughs> I, no one asked me when I, in my formative years, you know, I've got the illusion of power because, well, if I want CNN or Fox, I can choose those. If I want legging, blue leggings or red leggings, I can choose those. I know what I want. I want All to shop at Target realm. today yeah. instead of Mart, uh, Walmart today. But these are, these are not the real life creating decisions. You know, it's all, it's lack, it's, it's uh, insecurity and not trusting our own judgment because we didn't through trial and error learn a thing, let alone how to work together, play nice together. We didn't learn people skills. We're afraid of other people. Uh, do you think that that self insecurity comes from not realizing God or not seeing what we are like that spiritual aspect? Do you think people is there, I mean, I don't know, I'm speculating. Is there any, oh man, is there any like, uh, I can't even think of the word, like uh, uh, people that are insecure, is there a connection between that and not having a s awareness of your spiritual self? Sure, it can be. That's very, 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 very possible. But I think that that's uh, just grabbing onto an idea because our our subconscious fear and insecurity will latch on to, oh, it's caused by that. It's caused by that. It's, and that's the projection. And you've alluded to that in a few times mm -hmm. uh, tonight that we project it onto others, yeah. you know, because if I am afraid of making decisions, if I don't trust myself because I didn't make a million decisions, I don't trust my judgment. I don't know that that's subconscious, but I do. I will. It's probably very easy for me not to trust you. And if I latch onto a tribe that seems strong because I can ego identify with them, like my denomination in my religion or my, my political party, then I'm not going to trust the adversary that they give me to blame for all of our problems. So, um, and that's the cop out. And that's the, that's the, the, the blaming others instead of taking responsibility for ourselves. But it takes, my gosh, you know, you have to be an adult to even comprehend anything we've talked about tonight, you know, <laughs> and, and to make one's own emotions and uh, conscious to oneself. Yeah. Uh, for me, it wasn't until my 30s that I woke up to my immaturity. The fact that I was in my 30s dealing with people at a very, very immature level in a lot of realms. In a lot of other ways, I, I, I had some winning formulas in career and acting and things like that. Um, but basically, I was horrified in my mid-30s when I realized I, I'm functioning like I did like a seven-year-old on the playground who, who thinks someone stole his lunch, you know, just a competitive, angry idiot, you know, and I had a... I had to dive into all this and study all this, which is why I got so much to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of people, too, think that if you believe that you're your own God or you're, that God was, is within you, you're that observer, that that is somehow evil or Luciferian because you're not giving away your energy to God. Hmm. 
Well, that's that would be very easy for an American to think because survey, surveys, polls indicate that about 70% of Americans identify as Christian. So what you just described is a Christian viewpoint. You know, whatever God Correct. is, it ain't you. Yeah, if you think you're God or you've got God's power or you're too much like Jesus, you, you're, 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 uh, you've been duped by uh, the devil. <laughs> you know, and uh, you're full of yourself and that's egotistical and uh, yeah, get, the, get the behind me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, the God question, Dan and Roman, is a huge, wonderful question. And there's a social commentator named Naomi Wolf. Have you heard of her? She's written a lot in the last 30 years in, po- in, the, in the political realm and Mm-mm. women's rights and feminism and things like that. And she's been speaking a lot of truth, blowing the horn about so much that's horrible and evil and nonsense about COVID and the vaccine story. And she just released an essay and she read it on Facebook Live where the title is something like, is it time for intellectuals to start talking about God? And in her essay, she says that that has never been her orientation. She's probably in her 40s. Best-selling author. She used to be interviewed on CNN for all these kind of issues. She starts, you know, criticizing COVID. She's banned and blocked and (laughs) delisted and deplatformed. You know, she doesn't exist anymore. And She describes how the evil descending upon us, being inflicted on us in the last two years in the name of this illness is such that it's easy for her to start to imagine it's not just human evil. So maybe it's time to look for a solution from a divine source. And it's a real open-hearted, not facetious like my tone of voice just conveyed. It's a real open-hearted and honest exploration and appeal to, to start a dialogue with her about this. And Dan, you can, Roman, you couldn't be more on the money to, to, than to explore the nature of God because I want to ask you, what is it about personally, each of you, D is before R, so Dan, you're going to answer first. What is it about for you personally that obsesses you with Analyzing God, please. Uh, early trauma. Uh, when my dad passed away, my mom forced me to go to Catholic church. And uh, through Catholic church, I I would question what was in the Bible because uh, it wouldn't make sense to me. And I was kind of looked at like I was, like I was dumb or... They didn't have the answers for me, and that created this like urge of knowing. I wanted to know more. I wanted to figure out what those answers were that they didn't know the answers to. Uh, about the same time, I got into like the mythology of Egypt, so the whole mis- mysteriousness of that intrigued me into learning about other different religions and belief systems. And I've kind of always just been in that mode of trying to experience and understand them all and trying to find the similarities. And then, you know, through that, I got into like uh, archaeology type stuff and ancient aliens and uh, just 
world civilizations and like kind of the undiscovered stuff and it just always fueled me and made me ask more questions and that wonderment of trying to figure out the answer you know uh and through all that it kind of pushed me into the spiritual and aspect of the you know the spirituality uh because i i felt hard it was hard pressed to find an answer for what god was or who he was or what religion is the correct religion that's a lot of pressure too to figure out what religion is the right one uh it's almost like finding somebody that you know agrees on every point that you agree on like how it's impossible and i started to get to the point where i felt like maybe the only thing the only thing in charge of my life is me why am i giving my power away i need to give my power to myself and i need to sit with that i got into meditation and um chakra systems and stuff i just kept reading and trying to just figure out an explanation for everything and it just pushed me more and more into this spiritual aspect you know away from the organized type belief system have you read any of marianne williamson's work i don't think so <sighs> i'm gonna email you some titles <laughs> and you're gonna email me your address and so are you roman so i can mail you a gift <laughs> copy of my book roman same question Aww. to you do, do i need to repeat it do i need to repeat the question no 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 no, no. yeah so um I kind of like brought this up too the other day because I went on Dan's show. He, he you know, started the a side show where he kind of just talks about, you know, your spirituality. And it was really a really good click back for me to kind of like actually get asked these questions <laughs> because, you know, um, unless you're really surrounded by good good circles you're not getting asked the questions of why you think what you think about your spiritualism you know granted i consider myself a very spiritual person you know i i love earth i love nature i do you know you know my yoga at a studio three times a week and the breathing and you know um but i'm fascinated with psychology and um i've always loved science but I've always loved the thought of God and the thought of creation and the thought of the cosmos. And there's just a lot going on in, in what I love, which is damn near everything except for, you know, the, uh, the tyranny and transhumanism. Um, but I, I, yeah, I've just, I, I don't know. Like I, I keep looking because I keep finding new answers and I keep finding new feelings and keep going with the new, the continuous guide of intuition that seemingly, never going to get filled all the way. And it is an endless cup, just like the river is endless, you know, to the vast endless ocean and the flow. And it's all, it's all beautiful. And we can have these conversations over and over again until, you know, the croaking time, which is blessed. Uh, and it'll always be a great conversation and it'll never be completely figured out. And it's always open to, um, the beautiful psychological breakdowns, you know, like I love philosophy, but also I find philosophy to be irritating. Um, but I love it. You know, it's so relatable yet so wordy and, you know, so there's so many things, um, but all this, <clears throat> this philosophical and psychological talk 
really just kind of like gets you deeper into the the ooze that is God, which is thought and wonder and the mind and all the things. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I don't even know. Like Dan and I met on a whim yeah. through the internet and uh, it just ended up foiling its way into this. We still never met each other in person. We've never shook each other's hands and give each other a hug. It's crazy. But, 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 but look what you guys are creating together, you know? I know. I yeah. know. Yes. It's awesome. Uh, it's, it's very interesting because me and Roman do have a lot of similarities and, uh, I was seeking, uh, a co-host for the show. And so I, I heard him on the higher side chats, um, on a voicemail thing that, uh, Greg did. And, uh, so I just reached out to him and we talked for several several months before we started the show and we we're obviously different in the way that we think but we have also a lot of similarities and we kind of connected through those different similarities and um and decided to let's just go for it and start start doing it you know because we were both into this type of aspect and i i feel like we both brought something different to the table which gave us a good dynamic and balance you know, we've been talking a lot about balance and I think we both can complement each other in different ways uh, because I'm not super spiritual. I'm not super into yoga or uh, food or, or healthy eating or farming or any of those things that he is, but he is into those things and he can bring that aspect to the show that I can't. And I'm into the spiritual uh, understanding spirituality into the God and into the ancient origins of life yeah. and creation. And all of those things fit into this conspiratorial world that we live in. And so it gives us a good balance. And so, I mean, I, I appreciate it. Um, and then we get to meet fascinating people like you and we get to have these deep conversations that we can't have with our everyday friends and just going up to somebody or even talking to your friend about religion, you know, they, if they're already set in their ways, it's very hard to convey your, your feelings. Uh, if you don't go with the mainstream narrative of what you're supposed to believe in. Yeah. And so that has kind of got us to the point where we want to explore these different things on the show because I think it's, it's good to have other people hear it uh, for those reasons of breaking down those walls of fear. There's no need to fear somebody that has spiritual beliefs or does yoga. Those are not things that are associated with worshiping Satan. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Yet in, in modern culture, it's associated with, with that. So, well, to, to that, to that percentage of Christians who, associated like that yeah right in 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 the main sh those people but so it, it's you know we want to break those down those walls by using knowledge and having uh we just interviewed uh esoteric eddie who wrote the book the lucifer mystery revealed and so we got to go through history and find out who lucifer is uh, we're going to do another one with uh, David Matheson about the cosmos. Um, so we're trying to hit this subject 
at different angles to really expose the whole thing and break down those walls so people can see and realize it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you have love and as long as it makes you a better person that's what matters the most yeah well yeah that's a heart-centered mission and not everybody's up for it but those who are there's a certain percentage of the population who's hungry and thirsty for every one of your episodes because you're articulating what maybe they can't or just hearing someone talk about it in a different way is so life-affirming. I know that when I pick up a book that talks about something I'm interested in and sheds a new light on it from this person's experience or from their research, there's, not, there's nothing better. And that's what your these conversations are to your listeners and uh, to, to the end that it reassures folks, you know, I'm not alone. We need, this is a form of connection, you know, which we vitally, vitally, desperately need. Otherwise we can't survive. Just psychologically, we, you want to destroy someone quickly, you put them in solitary confinement. So this is the antidote to that, which is to, to, you know, demonstrate to folks who are intrigued by these topics, like, I'm not the only one. Listen to these guys. I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, it's to talk about it. It's to break down those walls. And and uh, I'm not telling everybody that they shouldn't believe in God or they shouldn't believe in Jesus. They shouldn't be Christian. They shouldn't be whatever it is that they want to be. Be that. But know that there's other things out there and don't be scared of those things. Don't yeah. be fearful of them. We're all... We all want the same things in the end, you know? Yeah. And and like you've both been saying recently, just in the last couple of things in Roman 2, you know, this this is the never-ending conversation because <laughs> we can't figure life out. We just can't. Yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can shed some light on some things. We know don't touch the fire. It's hot. Right. Yeah. And don't drop the glass. It'll break. We kind of know that. Beyond that, uh, you know, we're st- it's still uh, pretty fascinating. Until you um, tell that to people that walk across hot coals and don't burn their feet. Well, you were talking. Oh, yeah, you talking about guys who you talked about a guy in a state who sounded like he was levitating and reminded me of a, of a of a lecture I saw by this author named John Gray, who's famous for a book called "Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus," which is a fascinating book. And he was he was talking to an audience that was there for personal empowerment, maybe spiritual enlightenment. And he started telling a story about his spiritual quests. And he talked about going to um, the Far East. Maybe it was Tibet. And he said, I saw guys levitate. You can believe me or not, but I just saw, I saw them levitate with my own eyes. You know, these guys, maybe they were weak guys in yellow, you know, robes and bald or whatever. And they sat in a position or whatever. And they got into a state. And we were from afar and we didn't disturb them. And we saw them rise. And stay up for a little while and then come down. So, like Shakespeare said through Hamlet, there is more in heaven and earth, Horatio, than is dreamt of in your philosophy. We don't begin to know what's really going on or how it really works. Um, Dan, I would really recommend this book, uh, Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. I'm going to email you that. Marianne Williamson. Yeah, she's been studying... Since the 70s, she's been studying a big fat book called A Course in Miracles. Have you heard of it? That's, a, that's huge. It's, it's, it's dense. It's thick. 
the woman who wrote it actually dictated it. She channeled it. And it's filled with great, great uh, spiritual truths and perspective, according to me and millions of others. And Marianne Williamson, her whole career of empowering people has, is based on the principles of A Course in Miracles. And there's so much wisdom in their psychological wisdom of taking responsibility for what we think and feel, not projecting them on others. And the bottom line message from the Course in Miracles is exactly what I've alluded to a number of times is there's only one of us here, this infinite mind, which is made of love. There is no other. So any complaint I have about him, her, this, that, and the other thing is a complaint I have about myself. Every complaint is an attack that hurts me, not the person I think that I'm attacking. Every attack cuts me off from a representation of existence, that person, which cuts me off from all of existence. And what's existence? It's love. So I'm cutting myself off from love every time I think, he's an asshole or she doesn't look good in that dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the true. discipline, so true. the discipline to, to, to live in peace and in love is thought by thought. That's how important it is to hear what you're thinking and realize most people, at least I did, talk to themselves like an asshole, just complaining about so hard on ourselves. So to overcome all that is, is a large part of the progress toward happiness. Wow. Do you That's guys, really uh, real quick, That's really good. Uh, yeah. do, you, do you guys think the word thought came from thought? Yeah. And one of the original philosophers, it did, right? I do. Is it wasn't That's that cool. one of the Egyptian gods too? Yeah, yeah. yeah Herman, Her, Hermes Trismegistus and Thoth were thought to be the same. Yeah, that's ironic. <laughs> <laughs> different, different, uh, different, different civilizations called them different names, but uh, yeah, uh, Thoth and Thought. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of legacy of their hermetic. <laughs> Hermetic principles. Yeah. Now I'm going to throw more books at you. Um, Have you read anything by Jim Mars? M-A-R-R-S. Oh, I know. I know. I know of them. I've heard of them on lots of shows. uh, But I no, I haven't read anything. Um, Jim Mars. Jim Mars has written a bunch of books exposing a lot of truth behind the scenes that the mainstream doesn't blah, blah, blah. And two of them rule by secrecy. What the... Egyptian pyramids and the masons and the trilateral commission have in mm. common, you know, ruled by secrecy. And another one, the rise of the Fourth Reich, how the secret societies threaten to take over America. You know, these are written in the 90s and maybe the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And he does a deep dive into uh, the Knights Templar and the mystery school, the uh, leading up into, you know, the Knights Templar and the Masons and the Freemasons and the Illuminati and the skull and bones and the legacy of what they have implanted in our street designs. And, you know, Roman was talking before about the founding of America and the symbolism, you know, and the the eyes and the triangles and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff. Jim Mars, great, great books, great books. Yeah. Yeah. I I used to read often, but I'd mostly be reading like the Bible uh, I, I got into the Pearl of Great Price from the um, uh, from the Mormons, 
and uh, like Dead Sea Scrolls and the Book of the Dead and a lot of different religious type texts is what I spend a lot of time uh, reading about and stuff. Um, but with the podcast now, I, I just try to talk to people and listen to other shows or audio books or stuff like that. I don't have as much time to read as, as I would like. Right. Uh, but I need to get into the reading again. I need to, what I need to do, and I need to tell myself this is to get rid of the television and just start reading again. That's what I need to do. Absolutely. You reclaim your soul if you do. That. <laughs> I know. I know. Reading I, I, is, go Roman, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I, I, bounce back and forth on it's in spurts for me. You know, there's so many, it gets overwhelming when you have such a large list of books that you need to read and you know that it's very time consuming and uh, thus spiritually encapsulating. But one of the, the books that I'm getting through right now is called the seven sisters of sleep by Mordecai cook. And it was written in 1860 and mm. it's, it's been mind opening for me um it is a celebrated drug classic as they call it but sleep is you know um one of these greek gods and she had seven sisters that were all very envious of her power that man was so so enthralled like with no white sleep, in the seven sleep had her- oh oh shit yeah nice uh <laughs> actually yeah i wonder if that is or Disney's way of or something kind of going interesting but, uh, Mordecai who? Mordecai who? Mordecai Sorry. Cook, uh, and it kind of opened my opened my mind to a lot of things, and I I just I really do condone that. And what you touched on too earlier, Bruce, with writing, and you also touched on a lot you know a lot of things. It's been two hours. Uh, <laughs> we've gone down it. Uh, the healers, spiritual seers, and um, you know these really open people. Uh, they're, uh, oh God, why did I, I literally just had a mass, massive mind fart. Uh, please, please someone connect me as to what the fuck Spiritual I was Spiritual healers. Mordecai. Right before that. Right after that. You're alluding to writing <laughs> and all of these other things in the last Aha! Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. The <laughs> amount of times that very important, powerful, amazing spiritual energy workers have said, you need to write. You need to journal. It will help you. It will move you. It will you know, create elasticity within your creativity. It will unravel so many things in your thought process and any problems that you're having, it will help. And I've just heard it so many times. Everybody. The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, a spiritual guide to unleashing your creativity. The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. (laughs) Dudes. Roman. (laughs) Go break into someone's house who has it. I will. I will. <laughs> I have to go right now. Right now. Or write me five pages why you're not. <laughs> uh, what about this uh, Faustus? I just I just found out about this Faustus. Faustus, a magician and alchemist <coughs> in German legend who sells his soul to the devil in exchange for power and knowledge. Faustus. And it's then that's story, from the German... 
It's a story written by the German uh, Goethe, spelled G-O-E-T-H-E. He's a character, he's the, and the name of the story is Faustus. So it's a story about a guy who that's his. That's what he what he does. Doctor Faustus. Uh, the, I think he's yeah. I think he's a doctor. Yeah. But Goethe is the philosopher and the writer who wrote a really bunch of cool stuff. He's a philosopher. You, philosophers intrigue and piss you off. He's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I just thought that was funny because kind of like ties to this, you know, strange Dr. Fauci and Faustus. Oh, and, uh, yeah. yeah I found that's, that's the kind of ties. I was like, oh, I wonder if what's going on there. But there's a legacy of this. You know, it's also Robert Johnson, the blues. Great. Yeah, that's you know, what I was going to say. Robert soul Johnson. At the crossroads. You crossroads. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And that's very playful. But, you know, we're at such a great place right now. You can talk about. Lucifer and Satan again, guys, if you want, but we're at such a peak no, of no, no, empowerment no. right now, you know. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, go ahead. Uh, just write, 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 people. Everyone get that book. And just because it, it you bring yourself into existence. Because yeah. if we're addicted to entertainment and content, like so many Americans are, especially young people, that is such passive receptivity being plugged into the matrix and you will never experience your creative power. But if you can start writing in the morning, get up an hour early with a cup of tea, a cup of coffee mm-hmm. and start writing and do it, do it according to the artist's way uh, or not. Just start filling some pages to find out what do you like? Just ask yourself questions, interview yourself and bring yourself into existence as first of all, an individual, but second of all, a sovereign individual where you realize it's my life. I can, I can answer these questions any way I want. What do I want to be when I grow up? What do I wish I had majored in? What topic will I read 10 books about so that I really master it to the best of my ability and can write and say something about it that might help others. I could do this for hours right now, on and 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 on. Because like the fractal existence we live in, we create this field of energy that we call a mind or that we call love or that we call God creates, it creates to see and admire and love its creations. We are its creations. And all we do is create all the chatter in our head all day long, all day long. It's like a, we're creating those things and we're stuck into loops and grooves because for the formative years of our life, We weren't allowed to experiment and explore. We just received and received and received and anesthetized ourselves with content and content and content and content and content content and content and content. (laughs) We're just, we're just receptacles. We're fucking load catchers. (laughs) You know, we're feminized. Hey, I'm not a load catcher. (laughs) 
<laughs> I defer. You know you much more better than I do. <laughs> We're scumbags. No. <laughs> I could definitely see you in a movie with Al Pacino. And, uh, oh, man. He's so old now. <laughs> and I'm so unknown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it's great. Great talk, Bruce. Uh, thank you for joining us today. I know it's getting late over there. Uh, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell the people where they can find you one more time uh, and tell them whatever it is that you want to tell them. Get your message out. <laughs> I, it's my website, brucedetaurus.com. You'll read all about my book, and there's a, a big link, obvious way to to buy it, to click through and find the sales page. You'll find a page of my uh, my my appearances. I've been lucky enough, guys. This is probably like my 40th or 42nd interview mm. since my book came out last spring, just because you know I meet people and I follow up and I ask, you know. But I'm yeah. also in, invited, and I feel like I haven't even taking the gloves off like P.T. Barnum to bang pots and pans and shout from the rooftop to talk about my oh, book. Oh, P.T. Barnum. But I want to. <laughs> and uh, we'll get into that in a second, Roman. Sorry for that trauma, that trauma memory, <laughs> um, whatever that was. And also on my website, free, 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 is uh, all the Trine Day podcast. There's about 70 episodes. Just listen to these interviews with these authors. Look at the titles. Look behind the curtain. These guys pull the curtain back on who's really running the show about our culture, government, media, television, entertainment, pol politics. And those are the lies that are, they expose the lies that are killing us. And only the truth will set us free. The truth about God, which is the truth about you and me. Well, uh, thank you, Bruce. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, sir. Thank we'll be talking you. to you again. We'll, we'll have you back on the show for sure. Um, we're, we're going to be talking about other topics down the road, uh, and you'll be great for those too. Um, <laughs> so thank you, sir. We appreciate your time. Have a good one. My and pleasure out there. Thank you. And yeah, and to everybody out there, wake, wake up. up. See the light.